Hello and welcome to the Weekly Scroll presented by the Adventure Archive. My name is Ryan. And I'm Hunter. And today we are going to be reviewing Warpland, the uh, primeval science fantasy game inspired by heavy metal and psychedelia. So how are you? How are you, Hunter? I'm good. You know, I, I might have had a couple drinks last night and I'm... I'm uh... I'm waking up, you know, <laughs> it's first thing in the morning yeah. for me. So good there you morning, go. Ryan. Yeah, good, 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 good morning, Hunter. Good evening, Ryan. That's what you Yeah, good that's, evening. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> how we work it. So anyway, um, we, we, we've been talking. We, we're saying hi as if we haven't been talking for the last 45 minutes. Um, but uh, we, we want to add a couple extra things to the beginning of the podcast, one of which is... Uh, what, what, what are you doing in gaming this week? So Hunter, uh, this week, last week, whatever, what, what, what did you do this week or what do you have planned for next week? Um, so I'll let you talk about us playing victory basic because obviously I did that with you this week and that was fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. tonight I'm actually really excited. I am playing into the odd that just that we, I backed the Kickstarter a while back and I got the PDF and I don't have the physical book yet. So I'm doing a pickup game with a couple people. Um, I'm really stoked. I'm, I'm I really like it, the game and how it's set up. So I'm looking forward to playing it. Um, and then I'm playing D&D with the only group I still play D&D with on Sunday, um, which was just a bunch of guys who just fuck around. So I'm really excited for Into the Odd, honestly. You know? Yeah, I can't wait. We uh, Very soon, we are going to be talking about Into the Odd on stream. It is, a, it is a longer book. I think if we did like a couple of weeks going over Into the Odd and then Electric Bastion Lands, I think that'd be great. I know we talked about on stream um, keeping longer, um, longer games to a minimum or at least like just hitting it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Chop them up in some way or another. Right. But I feel like Into the Odd and and Electric Bastionlands are some of those games where you just like. They're not really long though. Like. Well, into the I mean, into the like Electric Bastion Lands is like it's a big fucking book. Where is it? Oh, yeah, into the odd is not. Into the odd oh, is not electric, a big book. Okay, well then we'll we'll dig into that and maybe we'll we'll hit highlights on Electric Bastion Lands then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's cool. I we we played um we played Victory Basic on Thursday. We had that our first session lit. Yeah, it was fucking lit. Um, it was a really great time. Um, Victor Basic is written uh, is, a, is a game. Um, it's 2D6, powered by the Apocalypse style, um, Ode to OD&D, um, box set created by Sursa Victory. Um, it was uh, it was so much fun. The 2D6 system, it takes, it takes a little bit to get used to, especially when, you, when you're used to playing 5e because uh, so much of it is improv. Um, I was literally messaging Sursa during the game to be like, what do you do when you do this? What do you do when you do this? And he was like, give me tips and stuff. It just takes a little bit to wrap your brain around like not rolling for everything and like like to come up with like the, the hardest thing is the seven to nines. You know what I mean? It's like the, yeah, you did it or it didn't quite go as you planned. So how can I tweak this to, to fit it? Um, yeah. But it was super fun. It was a great time. Definitely check out the VOD on our stream um, it was it was it was super fun. We have a great group between Hunter, between Ginger and Tomato. Um, dude, those guys are so funny. Holy they're shit! So funny. Dude. Yeah, we definitely. Honestly, I uh, I put I, together like, a good group. You did. Yeah. It's a really fun group. We really yeah. are just like it took us. We spent hours going through just three rooms, and I swear to God, we just fucked around most of the time. 
And then we uh, next week, what I've got Mycelium Madness on Monday with Janelle and um, Dark Kingdoms on Wednesday, the evil campaign that we run every week. So that's what I'm doing. But new as far as gaming goes, um, it was um, Victory Basic. Great time. Like I said, check out the VOD, check out the older VOD for the Zero Session and check us out this coming Thursday as well. That was a great time. So that is what we are doing in gaming this week. Um, so before we switch over to kickstart the stream, um, Warpland. Warpland, first impressions. This is another thing we want to start adding to the podcast. First impressions, just a line or two, a little teaser before we get to it. What are your thoughts on Warpland? Um, I really liked it. It is definitely reminiscent of, um, that movie Heavy Metal is like a collection of different, like little short adventures almost. Um, it definitely is reminiscent of one of them. Um, it does have that very like psychedelic, like, <clears throat> I don't know. It's very cool. Um, there's a lot of right. really functional. One or two lines. First impressions. I, that was, that was, that was the first impression. Fucking, it's it. fucking cool. There, that's my impression. So my first impression, uh, so when, when you look at it, it looks awesome, right? And the heavy metal and the psychedelia and the story, when you flip through, it's like a freaking art book. Um, I wanted to love it. I wanted to love this game. Ah. Uh, I like it. I like it. I wanted to love it. I don't love it. We'll talk about why um, when we get to it. But we are going to do what we do every week. And we are going to, we switched up the name of it a little bit. Switched up the name just a little bit. We are going to kickstart the podcast Ooh. with Kickstarter. Um, yeah. Talking about what we backed, what we think is cool, what we might still back, um, and things like that. So um, we got a lot in here. We're not going to go over all of it today because there are some like amazing ones that we need to hit. Um, but prior to that, let's actually go back to, to the this one so there's a little bit bigger window um what we do get sometimes when we're kickstarting the podcast um is physical rewards steph your special edition cock just came in um <laughs> holy shit these are pretty yeah the call of cthulhu game book the 40th edition book stunning remind me after stream to show it to you if you haven't seen it it's fucking disgustingly beautiful. It, so. Oh my god, it's amazing. So, um, a lot of the stuff I got is Merkborg. Um, so we'll qu shocker. quickly flip. Yeah, shocker. Um, I you know I've really started to slow down on some of the content um, from Merkborg. I've got a ton of it, and I I honestly feel like a lot of the people that were doing really good content have have like got kind of over doing Merkborg content and moved on to other stuff. Um, and uh, I feel like some of the content is is not as good as it was when it first came out. Um, the first one I got was Every God Will Fall, which is basically just a bestiary of like cool badass um, things. There's like eight creatures in it. Um, it's basically just like a little mini bestiary. Uh, it's nice. It's got cool stuff in it. Um, the creatures are definitely like beefier. Um, Beefy like super beefy as far as hp and stuff like this guy literally it says can't die um huh. and it came really? with yeah and it came with stickers so that's cool um so that's one i'm gonna save this one for last there's another one i got 
Um, this is from Christian Eichhorn. I've actually backed a couple of his products before. Um, I really like this. The only thing I don't like, if you look here at the bottom, the compatible with Merk Borg Lolo with the print on demand, I think was too close to the edge and actually got cut off a little bit. Oh, it clips. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, it clipped it. But otherwise, it's great. Um, it is, gosh, I mean, how many pages is this even? It's like 60-something pages. Um, it's really cool, really well done. Um, they, they even have, like, tiles in the back that you can cut out. Um, a lot of his stuff is great. The art's great. I mean, it looks very Merkborg, you know, as you flip through yeah. the stuff. Like, it definitely has a vibe. Um, so, you know, well done. Looks good. Happy with this. Um, worth the money. And I do like that they have a good print on demand, um, which is great. DriveThruRPG does do a decent job. Um, and they did a good job with this. It's a paperback, but actually it's the ones that aren't like like this. You see how this one's just like kind of folded over? Yeah. And this one actually comes like a little bit bound. Like a book. Yeah. Yeah. Those are nice. Um, speaking of the one that was a little bit folded over... Um, I got the 30 Days of Merkborg Adventure Chapbook Volume 2. Oh, cool. I saw yeah. that. Yeah, it's it's just a bunch of content. Like, it's different um, monsters. It's adventures. It's a, it's just a book of random content. The first one is available on Exalted Funeral, and I'll eventually buy it, because I'm the kind of person, if I get Volume 2, I have to find number one. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And it came with a, a really cool map for one of the adventures. Uh, it's actually two of the adventures. Um, a fold-out map. Um, two different side for two different adventures. Uh, I feel like that was worth it. That was worth it. Yeah, Some, you know, sometimes you get a Kickstarter and you're like, nah, nah, nah. Um, this one though, this one is the one that was super worth it. This is um, Treasures of the Troll King. Ooh. Yeah, see that? See that gold foil at the top? It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, this is Chris Bissett. For those that don't know Chris Bissett, um, you should know Chris Bissett. He's he is quickly becoming one of my other favorite content creators behind like Sursa and um, and Adam Vass. Um, he does Loot the Room. If you've ever heard of Loot the Room, um, he is the one that created um, Wretched. He's the one that did the Go Alone. So some people call it Wretched and Alone. It's that like Jenga tower like solo journaling thing. Um, but. Uh, he was actually talking about doing this in the Merkboard Discord, and Johan Noor was like, that's cool. How about I do art for you? So this is literally Johan Noor's art on the cover of Chris Bissett's book, which is which is fantastic. Really um, cool. And the book, yeah. The book itself is badass. Again, it looks like Merkborg, um, but it came with a couple of extra things, um, one of which is um, it's a map of the area. But then look, it's the cover as a poster. Gorgeous. Um, I wish it would. What's up? That's so yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. I wish it was a roll, not a fold. Um, but it is what it is. And then the other piece, this is the one that I'm super into. It's got this on the back. Treasure of the Troll King. And then the another troll art on the front from Johan. Oh, yeah. Look man, you at some that. cool stuff, man. I wouldn't mind getting more. I need more posters and stuff. Yeah, this is pretty bad. Right now, so I won't be streaming from my couch for much longer. Uh, but we, I need well, posters and stuff. There you go. Um, and then the final thing oh, yeah. I got is um, you'll see these right here. This is my Cobalt Press section, and you'll notice many of them are special editions. Um, oh, yeah, I am. 
This is the oh, vault wow. of magic. Look at that. You, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. The it's last funny couple if you're just listening to this, like yeah. I'm just saying, oh wow, over and over again. And they're like, we don't know what you're looking yeah. at, but. Oh yeah, it's a podcast. Hey guys, so what I'm looking at is a special edition um, of Vault of Magic that Cobalt Press put out. It is great, and it's actually got a lot of great content. Um, it is a like 230 page book of new magic items, magic spells, a ton of stuff, um, and they do a really good job with the content. Wondrous items. Um, it literally goes into potions and scrolls, armors, weapons, uh, rings, rod staves, and wands. Wondrous items. Um, it is literally um, hundreds of pages of content of new magical stuff um, to add to your campaign, and they did a really good job with it. Um, and for those of you listening on the podcast, the special edition cover is stunning. It is black with like a gold and red foil cover, um, and uh, yeah, it is it is very pretty. And uh, they put something on the edge, which is great because they have two books. You'll notice two books back there that don't have anything written on the edge. Um, kills me. Um, but they do have Vault of Magic written on the side of it this time. So, um, this was definitely worth it. All of the Cobalt Press Special Editions are worth it. I think I got two more on order right now between, um, the new, um, character guide that they put out and the, I don't know if we talked about it on here, the, um, Ebon Shadows books that they just put out. I don't know, we might oh, have to touch on that a little I bit. I think, I think we mentioned it. I don't think we, de- we yeah. dove in at all. Maybe maybe we'll squeeze into that a little bit today, too. So those are physical rewards for Kickstart the Podcast. Um, moving back into actually kickstarting the podcast, there's a couple of things here, like I said, that we're going to go over. Um, a couple of things that we are not, um, and we will hit maybe next week. Um, one of the first ones I really enjoyed um, that I, I might back is PDF. Um, it looks really, really neat. It hit its goal. It's actually got a really, it had a low goal, 1349. It's only got 68 hours left and it's, got, and it's backed at 2749. I'm surprised that it didn't, um, it didn't get more backing than this. It was funded in the first 48 hours. Um, so it's, it, it's definitely had, you know, like 30 days to get done, but basically it's, it's a, um, RPG based in a, an, an alternative 1980s cold war arena where the players take control of a country and try to survive the coming storm. Um, it, yeah, it looks pretty badass. Um, basically the premise of this is that each, um, each person in the game is a country in the cold war. Um, and the aim of the game, um, the main aim for the player in war within is to create historical narrative during a period of instability and survive potential conflict avoid nuclear war, and if so desired, strive for world dominance or negotiate for peace. Um, so this is one that I think like history buffs that are also fucking game nerds would be super into. Um, there is definitely a crossover there. So <laughs> There's definitely a crossover. And I'm down for this. I really think this is a really cool concept. Um, as far as the PDF is only uh, like seven, it's like 10 bucks. So I will more than likely back it even if you just get that. Um... And you also get uh, a randomly, when, when you play the game, you get a randomly rolled government. So there's a bunch of different types of government. Socialist, technocracy, oligarchy, like America. Um, one party <laughs> state, uh, dictatorship, authoritarian rule, what some people want America to be, um, and stuff like that. So it's a neat system. Um, it looks really, really cool. Uh, I would love to get it in a hardback because I'd like everything in hardback, but I'll probably end up getting PDF. We've talked about this many times before. 
dollar dollar bills, y'all. Um, buying things from England is not great for American wallets, um, partially because the pound um, is is worth more than the dollar right now, and shipping um, compounds the fact that it's expensive to ship stuff yeah. um, from overseas, and it's charged to you in pounds. So 15 pounds um, is like 20 plus dollars. So if you want to back at uh, the hardback, or, or no, the paperback, it's 15 pounds, which is $21, plus probably another 10 to 15 pounds in shipping. So you're going to end up paying $40 for what amounts to a $15 book to get it. So um, yeah. that's a fun one. It looks neat. Um, I'll probably end up back in the PDF for that. Um, we'll talk about that one later. We'll talk about that one later. Um, we'll talk about this one a bit because I'm going to rant on it. Um, one that I really enjoyed. I don't know if you saw this one. Um, it's called Fallen RPG. Oh, I did actually see this one. Yeah, I forgot to see yeah. it you. So I backed this as a PDF. I originally backed the book, but I backed it on the PDF for this one. It looks really neat. Um, the Fallen RPG is a tabletop role-playing game set in a supernatural 17th and 18th century. Um, uh, Fallen, no, 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 no. I'll get into what is it. Fallen is a tabletop game set in supernatural world analogous to the 17th and 18th century stagecoaches uh pound over muddy lanes through woods um the light of its two lanterns a gauzy haze and the descending mist um basically it is investigating um a world uh, i always think of 17 18th century especially in the world like this with stagecoaches and stuff i always think jack the ripper and then my mind goes directly to the right time period you know what i mean um yeah but like- it's cl- yeah it's <clears throat> classless 2d6 plus bonus system um right. which i've been more and more into the different styles of 2d6 yeah. because warplane is a 2d6 system we're going to go over that but it is a very different system than um yeah it is definitely yeah then like troika or victory basic or something like that um so it looks really neat it's a simple 2d6 based um you are you get a core rule book um you get um uh adventures locations um and uh one one of the other reasons one of the things that got me is that it is um um lfosr um is uh, uh another website kind of like spear witch and exalted funeral where you can buy like um kind of indie rpgs um okay. and they're part of this project as well and they're great that's where i got like the the nave book from um oh, oh yeah we okay. need to go over gotcha. nave sometime yeah, yeah. I still haven't read it actually. I've seen it in the Dropbox and I haven't read through it. So Yeah, I have the physical one and it's great. Um we should definitely go over that. A lot of I know a lot of people do a lot of nave hacks. So mm-hmm. they really enjoy the system and like hack it to to make it what they want. Um uh the other one I really wanted to talk about we'll go over this one next week too. Oh uh do you want to do this one first or last? The mothership. We should do it last. Okay, so then I'm going to rant about this one called Cthulhu Hack. Oh, All yeah, right? go ahead. Go, go off, Ryan. Oh, man. Okay, so there's this project. It's Cthulhu Hack. It's an award-winning tabletop role-playing game of investigation and revelation in Lovecraft's dark universe. Um, it kind of sounds like a like a simple um, Call of Cthulhu, COC. basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, COC. The old cock. cock. Um, Cthulhu Hack is a role-playing game of investigative horror against a backdrop of H.P. Lovecraft's mythos. Um, it focuses on simple, accessible rules and mechanics designed to emulate the slow spiral of self-destruction that dominates the original tales. Literally, like the first edition came out in 2016. This is 2E. The book looks great. 
Um, a lot of parts of it look great. Um, there's multiple books that come with it. Um, it's a cloth bound book, which I love. Um, there's some other stuff because it's produced by this company called like roll on or something. What is it? Uh, all rolled up. Yeah. So you get like a roll up, which I had to like, literally there's no picture of what a roll up is on this campaign. So let's start with the, the things I don't like about this campaign already. Um, there's no picture of what a roll up is. I literally had to go to their website and dig around to find out what a roll up is. It's literally just like, like, do you have a dice box that you can put like your pin and all that stuff in with your dice and everything? Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, it's like that, but it's just cloth instead, and you just stuff it in and roll it up. You know what I mean? It's like a it's like a roll up toolkit, but it's for like playing RPGs, which is fine. It's cool, oh. whatever. So you get one of those, and there and it's cool looking. Like if you actually look at the campaign, um, the there's two different types. There's a regular one that rolls up, and then there's one that's actually got a sweet buckle, which is cool. It's got an elder sigil on it. That's great. Um, but let's talk about what I fucking hate about this campaign. Um, and what I hate about Kickstarters like this and why I didn't back it immediately. And I almost just don't want to back it at all because of, of, of these things. So if you go it through the, the pledge tiers, grab a cat real quick. Keep going. Now. They're fucking terrible. I don't understand why people run Kickstarters like this. And it drives me up the goddamn wall. So when you look through the tiers, first of all, there's a fucking million different tiers. Okay, if you have to create an update to explain how your tiers work, your tiers are too complicated, <laughs> which they did. Okay, really? So, that is, yeah, that's too complicated. You should be it's able too to complicated. Read them and understand them up bad. They're tiers. Okay, so tiers. so there is a PDF copy of the base book plus content enhanced stretch goals. Remember, content enhanced. Okay, um, it's only ten bucks. It's again, it's it's British, so it's seven pounds, so it's gonna fuck you on the shipping and the and the conversion. But that's the first tier. And then it's called Bewildered Bystander. And then you got a casual investigator. It's a PDF copy. Um, it's a soft cover copy, and it's PDF enhanced stretch goals plus content enhanced stretch goals. What the fuck are those? Right? Okay, we keep going. Um, and then you get the casual investigator with add-on access why are those two fucking separate things why not just have one and just give add-on access to both why would you like explain why would you make more work for yourself have two different tiers um and this one even says add-ons the the original one the 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 one that doesn't say add-on accessible it says add-ons because if you do that there are like there's like one add-on which is like another version of the book but then for the exact same amount of money you can get the one with add-on access, which is a bunch of other content. It's like a bunch of adventures and stuff, stuff that I would pack. That's great. Um, but why have two separate tiers with the exact same amount, 13 pounds each, one with access and one without? That's dumb as shit. Um, then we get to the $25 tier where you get a PDF copy of the book, a hardcover copy of the book. And here's a great thing. Not only PDF enhancements and content enhancements, now there's book enhancements. Nice. Right? What the fuck are those three things? We don't. No one fucking knows. No one fucking knows. Right? And then you get the exact same tier again. This one with add-on access. Why double it? Why not just have one with add-on access? Why not just give out? Well, it's the same cost. You're not even. It's not like twenty. It's not like thirty bucks plus add-on access. It's pointless. 
See how complicated and convoluted it is? There's yeah, now three really things. Is, yeah. yeah, there's three things now that that are added on here that I have no idea what the fuck they are. No one on the Kickstarter page that they explain it. I'll, I'll show you where they explain it. Um, but you don't get it all. You have to like get higher tiers to unlock more content, right? And then separate tiers for add-on available and add-on not available, but they cost the same. All right. Then you move up into, and, and then the same shit. Like there's a higher tier where you get a, a hardcover and a game roll. Um, there's an, a higher tier even yet where you get your name in the book and all that kind of crap. Right. Um, but why you have multiple tiers that for the same dollar amount that have add-on access or don't, and why not have the lower tiers able to have add-on access? So basically if you just get the PDF, you don't get in a bunch of extra shit. Um, all you get is what they call um, content enhanced stretch goals. So let's find what the fuck that means. Yeah, what is that? Yeah. Oh, what is the difference between the various types of stretch goals? Uh, three separate types of stretch goals um, uh, because backing at a certain level means that all stretch goals are not applicable. Because why? Why would, like, why? Why not have all of the tiers have access to all of your content? Makes no fucking sense. So content enhanced stretch goals are stretch goals that expand the core book content, including new text and art. Why would that not be in everything? Why would you not unlock that across the board? So you get that. I think the content enhanced stretch goals were the one that comes with the PDF tier. So it sounds like everything gets the core book extras. But you have to pay more to get PD, uh, PDF enhancement stretch goals. You can't get PDF enhancement stretch goals with the PDF tier. There's no higher PDF tier that allows you to do this. You literally have to get a physical tier in order to get PDF enhanced stretch goals. PDF enhanced stretch goals are additional material outside the core book, such as new investigations. Um, at $15,000, for example, we had a new adventure. This is a new PDF and is covered by this level of stretch goals. So it's additional so PDFs. So if I want to pay for shipping and I only want digital content, there is nothing for me. There's nothing for you. Um, oh, I'll, I'll, well, I'll show you a really fun. I, I'll, I might be able to find it or off to, to, to piece it together for you. The final one is book enhancement stretch goals, which is different than content, which is about the core book. Book enhancement stretch goals include material upgrades to the hardcover book. Material upgrades um, might include sewn section instead of glued or an addition of a dust cover. So basically content enhancement is additional content for the core book. PDF enhancement is just additional content outside the core book. And book enhancement is actually just making the book itself as a book look nicer. But there's different tiers that allow you to have different access to all of that crap. And if you want a PDF of the bonus adventures, if you want a PDF, if you want to get all of the stuff, but as a PDF and then be able to add on like extra adventures and stuff, guess what? You fucking can't. You just lost like a hundred bucks for me. Like, like period. Like, yeah. I don't want to pay that. Um, and uh, I don't know what it, where it says it, but at one point it says, oh, here it is probably in here. This, this is great. This is where a uh, big fuck you to their backers. If you only want these additional digital rewards, you must increase your pledge to casual investigator, which is a higher cost money, um, but have the option to not claim any of the physical rewards. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that aloud again. 
I'm not gonna back this. You I'm must, not gonna back this project. I'm not gonna fuck yeah, this guy. You must increase your pledge to casual investigator, which is a higher cost with add-on access. Make sure you have the one that's not the regular one, but the add-on access one that's not any different except for the four extra fucking words they add. Um but have the option not to claim any of the physical rewards. So you have to pay for the physical rewards you want for this project in order to get just the PDF digital extra rewards. But you have the option to just not claim the rewards that you paid for if you don't want them. Why? Why? This is one Why? of the worst put together Kickstarters as far as the tiers go I've ever seen. The page itself looks beautiful. Don't get me it wrong. Great. The, yeah, the game looks great. I would love to back this shit. Uh, a rules light version of, of, of Call of Cthulhu? I would uh, love to back this project. The tiers are the most convoluted, ridiculous, unfriendly well, even, shit I've ever seen. Yeah, it's like very much like a, hey, fuck you, man. You're going to spend more money, but we want to take more of your money. You know, it's like yeah. it's such a weird, like, especially for the tabletop gaming community, because it's such a like, yeah, you can pay more and you get more of the physical stuff or we'll do an all digital tier. We'll make it very accessible. Also, add ons are usually accessible to everybody, no matter what tier you yeah. back on. Yeah. Most stuff, it's like, yeah. yeah, you could give us yeah. more money to get more stuff. Yeah, you know. you're literally saying like, we don't want more money for we your stuff. Your we want you to be more. We want more money directly onto a Kickstarter tier. So I'm telling you right now, if you had an all digital tier at like 30 bucks with the bonus content and shit with add ons, I would have backed this in a heartbeat and probably yeah. bought every adventure, probably bought every adventure, at least a bunch of starter adventures and stuff like that. Now, like honestly, the big fuck you here, this whole like. But you have the option not to claim your physical rewards that you paid for so that you have access to extra digital rewards is a massive middle fucking finger. I don't understand why anyone is backing this project at that level. The other thing is that like, I, I could see something like this if they were like really choked from for money within the Kickstarter, like if they thought they weren't going to make. But there's 22 days left and they're 238% funded. So like, yeah. not that they need to plead people for money at this point. Like they could just offer add-ons and make this a little easier process for for their customers you know and even with the stretch goals why not have just a digital tier where these quote-unquote pdf like the pdf enhancement you can just get the pdf and the pdf enhancement why were yeah. what, what it makes no sense it yeah. literally makes no fucking sense so yeah i don't i don't understand it it makes no sense to me i am a go bewildered off, bystander yeah, no, I mean, I'm not wrong. I told you I was going to go off on this. Am I wrong? <laughs> no, I very much agree, especially now that we're deep diving it, because you mentioned it, and I hadn't really looked at it that close. Oh, I, yeah. Since, uh, since I originally read this, they did add a for-reference content PDF and book enhancement stretch goal situation onto the main page right here. Since so many, if you go to the comment section, it's all people being like, what the fuck does this mean? You know what I mean? It is a really weird way because we already have naming conventions like mm -hmm. in tabletop like Kickstarters. Like there's already a lot of naming conventions, special edition, like mm -hmm. stretch goal content. I have now. It's just Yeah. Yeah, you get special edition PDFs essentially, or you get special edition yeah. book. Like that's what they're saying. Like, that's what the enhanced content is, is technically a special edition, right? Yeah. No, so, the enhance which which enhanced which 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 one? I don't know. I don't want to keep no. going. So the PDF, <laughs> the PDF enhanced is apparently the PDF enhanced is like adventures and um, NPCs and shit like that. That's a whole separate PDF apparently. 
I don't understand why oh. it's called PDF enhancement. You're not enhancing a PDF. It's bonus PDF content. It's like a whole yeah. new thing. It, it's it's PDF enhancement means literally making the PDF better, which I originally thought was like, so are you hyperlinking it and adding more content to it or yeah. what? No, you're not enhancing no, shit. It's, it's a whole new on. PDF. Yeah, it makes it's, no sense. It's a, it's it's a an bonus add-on add PDF. Right. So. so the content enhancement, I get that. You're adding more stuff to the core rule book, right? right? Even the book enhancement, I get that. You're literally enhancing the book. The PDF enhancement isn't enhancing shit. It's a new PDF, right? They're even adding an option okay. for like a like a like a, a VTT, right? So then why wouldn't you have a digital tier that allows you to have the PDF, the PDF you. content, and a VTT? Like whoever's running this Kickstarter. And apparently they've they've created three Kickstarters and they've backed 26, which is like fucking rookie numbers. Um, I don't understand. I just don't understand. I don't understand. Don't understand. You're not even right, super like, back at that point. I've backed hundreds of, P of uh, Kickstarters. So. Do you want to know how many I've backed? No, yeah. Do yes, you want to know how many I've backed? Yeah, yeah let's just yeah. do it. Let's see. Let's see. Kaylee doesn't watch this, so it's fine. Um, back projects. I've only backed 177. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So so do you see do you see why I really want to back Cthulhu hack and I probably won't because I honestly feel like their tears are just a giant middle finger to their back. Yeah, I think I think so. I think that it's not in the best interest of like the people no. paying for the game and i think like you know especially if you want to make it like accessibility is such a big thing that we talk about like within the tabletop community in in like very in many ways and one of those ways to make things accessible is is monetary um right and, like when we talk about shipping across the country across the world like being able to buy all the digital stuff and given the option, like, hey, we can make this easier for you. If you if you want back our game, like, you can get a digital tier or you can get the PDF tier and we'll give you access to the add-ons so that you can choose what content you get um, makes it more accessible for people. And also using naming conventions that people already understand and not, like, trying to be super bougie fancy and, like, oh, it's enhanced. This is our enhanced content. You know, like, no, there's a bonus PDF. We have the special edition book that has a better cover, better art. You know, or it has more stuff in it. I don't know. It just is. I'm not into it. I don't understand. I like. I feel like they had to actively work to make it more complicated. Yeah. Yes. It. it really does seem yeah. like that. Okay. Okay. So now um, we got to talk about some shit that we really like. <laughs> well, well, well. Let me let me add one more in real quick that I did back that I do want to talk about real quickly, and then oh, we'll okay. hit we'll hit the super one. So, um, as I said, let me some cobalt press. Oh, if I'm yeah. gonna back. If I'm going to do anything 5th edition anymore, it's probably Cobalt Press's stuff. And over the past, like, two, two and a half years since they started um, really throwing a lot of their stuff on Kickstarter and getting a ton of backing, their stuff is just getting better and better and better. When yeah. they can get, like, one hundred fifty to $250,000 per project, this is why they're putting out three-plus projects a year that all look amazing, that is great content. It's not D&D &D giving us Harry fucking Potter ripoff bullshit. Um... Yo, tell Book me how you really feel. I fucking I'm just disappointed in in Watson. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, Book of Ebon Tides um, is the newest thing from Cobalt Press that is out. Um, and that's even after I think it's only like two or three months ago they back they dropped another Cobalt Press project, um, which is more of a characterization thing. 
but basically it's um it's uh exploring uh midgard's version of the shadow realm uh oh, cool. yeah uh yeah step into the plane of shadow um, what is the Book of Ebon Tides? Uh, the Plane of Shadow exists beside the mortal world, one step beyond the veil, and your heroes can enter this otherworldly realm of fae shadows, undead horrors, and wild adventure. Um, the Book of Ebon Tides gives a complete guide to the people, places, heroes, magic, and monsters of the Plane of Shadows. Um, it even, I mean, and, and it's Cobalt Press, so you get all the things that we were just talking about. You can get it as PDF, you can get it as regular, you can get it as a special edition book, guess which one I got. Um... And you can get it as VTT if you want. Um, and not only that, not only do you get the the core book, um, you get one of the things that they really like to do a lot too is give adventure books. So when I got Empire, um, Empire of the Ghouls, it came with two extra books, which was a um, a, uh, a character guide to like races and stuff in the underworld and an adventure book, like a underworld layers book because they love doing layers book. Great content. Very cool. Yeah. Great content. Yeah. I, content. I honestly think Cobalt Press is probably putting out the best fifth edition content, like including Watsy that there is right now. Um and then da, 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 da. so look at look at this special edition cover. For those that can't see it, it is this oh really Oh my god. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, it's a really beautifully done. It's black. Um it's basically uh, purple and gold, which is beautiful. It's got an owl on the front of it with this arcane symbol behind it. Um, it's it feels very Book of Shadowsy, and it's the Book of Ebon yeah. on the front. So of course I backed that. So cool. Um, wow, yeah, it's that's really, really and cool. well, you saw the cover for for Volta Magic too. I mean, for those that can't yeah, see it's, it, yeah, you know, it's also very look cool. up the special edition. It looks really, really good. And I like their older special editions, but I'm telling you, they're getting better and better. The cover for Scarlet Citadel, one of my favorite books I've ever owned. One of my favorite books I've ever owned. Remind me to show you that as far as like what it looks like. Yeah. Um, so I backed, of course, at the highest tier. Uh, well, not the highest tier. They do they do an insane like $500. We only make 10 of these like wrapped in like real baby shit. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> stuff. Um, wrapped in pure baby skin. But I, I backed at the limited edition um, uh, tier. It's only $125. You get a limited edition of the book. Um, you get the um, Book of Appetites PDF. You get the Tales from the Shadow hardcover book. So it's an adventure book. Most of them are softcover. This one's actually a second hardcover book. Um, and the PDFs to that. Um, and then there's access to the Pledge Manager, obviously, which you can do. Um, a lot of this stuff that they do, um, Kickstarter exclusive. So there's one or two adventures you can literally only buy by backing a Kickstarter. Um, one of the ones, Return to Castle Shadowcrag, I really want to run. It's uh, Adventure in Time, where you're literally playing the present and the past at the same time. Um, and your actions can trigger oh, cool. you to like really? kick back in time. Yeah, but and what you do in the past affects when you go back to the real world too. So it's, it's a cool adventure. I want to do it real bad. Um... But the last one that we got, and maybe yeah, an hour for for chatting and kickstarting, and then we got two hours for warplane, is this? Do you want to take the lead on this? Or? Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy! Yeah, let me pull it up in front of me. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, um, the mothership uh, official first edition after several years of being out um, box, uh, box set. I I am so stoked on this. Um, so. Uh, we scroll down to that pretty graphic that tells you what's in the um, box set. 
So if you're not familiar with Mothership, it is a sci-fi space horror game. Um, it's kind of hard to box in because I almost want to say it's very reminiscent of like Alien, but there's also like a lot of stuff where like you could you go to hell and you deal with a bunch of other like weird. Um, so it's just sci-fi horror um, in general. Um, so core box set, right? You get um, this really nice box. Um, the deluxe box gives you this really beautiful, um, scroll up just a little bit, right? Uh, up, not down. Oh, I was going to go to to this. That's cool, too. Um, yeah, so that's the core set. Um, core set has um, a player survival guide, um, which is obviously the player's handbook, the warden's operation manual, which is like the equivalent of the dungeon master guide, more or less. Um, and then that one also contains unconfirmed contact reports, which is a really cool book that I'm actually just excited to go through. And it's essentially the monster manual, but it, once again, it's unconfirmed contact reports. And so it kind of gives you ideas for like really weird fucking space wars that you can come across. Um, and it kind of sounds like a thing that you can know to like what you want to use it for. Um, looks like in the, I'm gonna scroll down to where you are because I'm a big graphic. Well, I don't know if you noticed since it dropped that this graphic has changed at least three times. Yeah, yeah. and they said they that added, when they released that video, they were like, we're gonna change yeah. Yeah, well, they added so stretch goals have been added to it. They added the warden screen to the core set. Right. They added this landing crew patch to the to the core set, and they added the conversion conversion kit pamphlet to the core set. Yeah, already, and I'm stoked about having there. the conversion kit because I have a lot of mothership adventures. I know you do too. That are for yeah, for the previous the beta edition, I guess. Um, so that's really cool. Oh, it's not the beta cut. edition. It's can, it's called the zero edition. The zero edition. Um, I love Mothership, and the only thing that will annoy me until the day I die is that the edition that's been out for three years is called zero, not just one. And this is yeah. one, not two. Um, yeah. I also like the, the they give you a D100 and then a panic die. Um, they yeah. added in like a new yeah. panic mechanic. They've revamped the panic mechanic. Panic mechanic um yeah and you know what i've been looking over for this game it looks like the stuff that they changed was just streamlining it um it's still very much in line with what they did before and how much kind of played before but they simplified it and they made i think they're talking about panic and stuff like that was really really variable and like really wild stuff could happen and they've kind of like trimmed it down to be a little bit more efficient um and stuff can still happen but it's not like you panic and you immediately like take a bunch of damage or go crazy or something you know um yeah, so, yeah, oh, actually, it says it down here under what's new. Um, combat and violence has been greatly clarified, simplified, and that's good, because, you know, here on the Adventure Archive, we're huge fans of violence. Um, health has moved to a wound system. Class has been rebalanced. Stress and panic has been rebalanced as well. Um, yeah, it just sounds like they really dialed in um, just a lot of stuff. I'm really stoked for this. I back this at the highest um level because i want the pretty deluxe box it's beautiful um but yeah i'm stoked on it well so the deluxe box also gives you it's a different warden screen that's bigger um bigger. you get a new box which is bigger um not only do you get um the conversion kit and everything you actually get the four adventures that thursday night games has actually put out already which was a pound of flesh gradient descent right. um is it three um and you get dead planet dead planet yeah 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 um, i haven't done gradient descent actually so the the mega dungeon yeah gradient descent i have not played that one. Oh no yeah i i mean yeah i have 
I I have it. Um, Sorry, you have the zero edition. <laughs> I do. I, I do have the zero edition. Um, but on top of the the deluxe bundle, they have the mega bundle, and this is the one that I'm torn on. This is the one I'm really torn on because the mega bundle comes with both the core set and the deluxe set, which just seems like repetitive unnecessary to me i don't understand they could just chop like this to 150 and not put the core set in it because if you have the deluxe set you literally are having three of the exact same books and the same dice and the same like a bunch of stuff in the deluxe book that you do in the mothership it's not a different book you'll have two of the exact same book um you just get both the deluxe version and the core version plus you get a t-shirt um, and you get all of the pamphlet modules on top of um, the deluxe. So what, what's different is from the, the deluxe is you get the deluxe, the core, the t-shirt, like six pamphlet modules. I don't need the core set if I got the deluxe set, but I it doesn't make sense to not get this because, oh, and you also get a storage box for all your zero E stuff, right? Yeah. So you can put it away because you're never going to use it again. Um, <laughs> but... The deluxe one is a hundred bucks, and then between the, um, if you add on the pamphlets, if you add on the T-shirt, and you add on the storage box and everything, um, you basically get to one hundred and seventy-five dollars, which is everything in the mega bundle is one hundred and seventy-five dollars minus the core box, right. but the core box by itself is what sixty bucks, is right. sixty bucks. So you're basically getting a core box for $25. It's less than half. So it's kind of like, do you just not want to have the box because you're not going to, because you don't want the physical space taken up? But it, it just doesn't make sense to not get that extra $60 box for $25. Can also, so, I can also run it as like a giveaway on here or something, you know? Yeah, well, either, I mean, that's a big ass giveaway or like gifting it to not somebody the whole or something. Thing. Like that. I meant the, 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 the basic one. The yeah the core set but no the core box by itself is $60 if you want to yeah. give that away on stream I, I'm not doing that to, I, I love my chat but that's not happening um, but uh, maybe I'll give away my original um, zero E I don't know now I want to have both so I can reference them no I probably won't give away anything um, but maybe I'll gift it maybe Chris will be down to play it or something I can gift it to him um, but anyway yeah, this looks amazing. Obviously, I backed it. Obviously, everyone in the fucking world backed it. Have you seen how much it's made so far? Oh, I have. It's crazy. It's almost. It's like seven hundred sixty thousand. I think. Uh, it's almost seven hundred ninety <clears throat> now. It's seven hundred eighty-six thousand, oh. and it still has twenty-five days to go. <clears throat> I I don't know if it's going to hit a million. Um, there might be a big push at the end. We'll see. Um, I guarantee you, though, it's easily going to hit at least nine hundred thousand. Um. Yeah, no, you know definitely. what? I, I would be shocked actually if it didn't hit a million. I'd be it's shocked. It's definitely gonna hit a million. It's gonna yeah. hit a million. I'd be surprised if it didn't. I am chat, honestly chat, surprised. Let's get this up to a million. Come on, everyone. Yeah, go, right now. Go Come on, let's do this. Stuff. Everyone in chat, get your mom's credit card. <laughs> um, I'm 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 surprised. Listen, I I like Mothership. I think it's great. <laughs> I did not think it was as big as this. I honestly didn't. You know um, what? I wonder pushed it just a little bit i'm sure this isn't all of it but i wonder oh, critical if role critical role playing it pushed it yep. quite a bit 
yeah, because for those that don't know Critical Role, I still have to watch it. Um, and I want to watch it. First of all, I, I do. I really enjoy Ashley Johnson. I really like Critical Role. I've met Matt and Marisha. Um, and they are some of the nicest people I've ever met. The only time I've ever been starstruck in my life, I've met other celebrities in L.A. and stuff like that. When I tried to talk to Matt Mercer, I literally was like, you got to give me a second. Let me catch my breath for a second. I don't know why, but I was just Matt Mercer, you're my hero. <laughs> um, uh, at the time when I was super into Critical Role, I, I wasn't as into Campaign 2 as I was into Campaign 1. I have still decided on Campaign 3. Anyway, um, they did play a homebrew version of, and I would love if they would put the homebrew rules out, but they won't. It is a homebrew mix of the Alien RPG and Mothership and together. Mothership, yeah. Yeah. So um, I would not be surprised if that did have a big impact on this. I would be shocked yeah. if it didn't have a big impact on it. Cause... Uh, and, I li- and it's funny because I don't listen to Critical Role. Not because I don't like them or anything. I think they're great. But I just not anything I normally like, listen to. Um, and I actually did watch that one all the way through because I like Mothership. And I like was it good? Sci-fi horror. Yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'll have to check yeah. it out. And again, it's Ashley Johnson. I think it was her first time yeah. DMing, and that was fantastic. Oh, um, I mean, I, could, yeah. I couldn't tell it was her first time DMing, so... Well, I mean, she's been learning from Matt Mercer for like five years. Yeah. You know what's yeah. crazy, too? I didn't know if you knew about this real quick, talking about Twitch. Did you hear about the Twitch leaks and everything? No. Someone hacked Twitch and found all of the creators' um, revenue for the last, like, three years. So you can actually go to a website and find out how much a streamer made since 2018. Guess who is number one? By well, I, I don't need to guess. I know that they're number one by like an insane amount, you know? An insane amount. An yeah. insane amount. Yeah, of course yeah. they are. Easily number one. Um, <laughs> since 2018, uh, we don't need to get into the numbers too much, but let's just say <laughs> let's just say they were millions more than number two. Good. Millions I'm, more I'm, in revenue. I'm happy two. for the success. I'm their oh, their success yeah. is a success for the hobby, and I'm all for it. I don't disagree. You know? I, a lot of people get butthurt because for two reasons. Um, one, because not every DM is Matt Mercer, but um, as a DM, I'll say not every player is Laura Bailey. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you can have the greatest team in the world. And if you got players that aren't going to invest and emote and dig into your story, yeah. that's not going to go very far. And so gender in chat makes a really good point. It's like, and that's just Twitch related revenue, not counting. Yeah. Um, sponsors oh. and donations. Yeah. So. Oh my God. Like not sponsors, donos, their own private store, their partnership with Watsy. Yeah. yeah. They're filthy Listen, fucking rich now. I, I, you know, I don't play D anymore um, that much. I do play with that one group because they're buddies of mine. That's what they play. Um, but in, I am not butthurt about them. Like critical role playing a certain way or Matt Mercer being a certain way not and, at all. Bringing, not at and all. bringing success to the hobby because frankly, if we go on Kickstarter and you see all these tabletop RPGs, like you know, Critical Role is kind of partially responsible for the growth of oh, the hobby. Because absolutely, yeah. so yeah. I'm I'm all for their success. I am not one hundred percent And I think they deserve every bit of it. They totally. not only not only again when I met them, they were incredibly gracious, incredibly yeah. kind. Like we they we literally talked to them for like an hour. It was my, it was my wife yeah. and I. Um, and their foundation and does good work too, you know. I was gonna say they do a ton of stuff for charity. They do a ton of stuff for the foundation. Um, they do like they are generally all around good people. They deserve yeah. the things that they have earned, and they've worked hard to get that. They've created a company that's incredibly successful. I can't wait for the cartoon to come out. I backed the shit out of that Kickstarter. Um, <laughs> I think that comes out in January. 
So yeah, this is not a knock on Critical Role at all. No, they're great. I don't we think we ever them. even talked about that. Yeah, huge fans, huge fans. Yeah, Again, like- I didn't watch the the entire first campaign. I watched it on VODs, but I watched every every episode and every episode of um oh now I'm forgetting it the 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 one with Brian Foster like not the between the sheets. Um, I don't watch them almost at all. Talks I, Machina. I, I like what they do. So. So Tox Machina, what's cool about uh, about like 50, 50, no, like 40 sessions in, maybe maybe it was like 30. They started doing a talk show like in between each session to bring players on to talk about what happened that week, which was really, really cool. That's really um, and cool. Brian Foster is awesome. So anyway, this became like a Critical Role Stand um, podcast real quick. But um, whether you yeah, like Critical Role or not, yeah, whether you like Critical Role or not and whether you listen to them or not, um, you do have to at least understand and appreciate that, yeah, like the success of not only um, D&D products, but most tabletop role-playing game products are influenced by their success. Um, And they're great people that do great things. And again, whether you listen to it or not, like at the very least, you have to respect that, again, they're good people and that they've made the hobby bigger and better. Um, So definitely uh, lots of love for them. Lots of love for Ashley Johnson. Um, And this all came back to just- We're out here talking positive shit about people. We talk people yeah. about people behind their back and we say nice things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's what you get. <laughs> Compliments, bitch. Um, anyway, so that is, that's Mothership. Back it. It's fucking awesome. So anyway, so that is Kickstart the Stream. Uh, that is Kickstart the Podcast. We switched it around because um, eventually this will be online um, and you will be able to listen to it as a podcast. So Maybe. we're getting into Warpland, huh? We are getting into Warpland. So the book, it's about 140 pages. It's broken down into um, Genesis, which is basically the story of, of Warpland, the rules, which we'll dig into. We'll talk about Genesis real quick. The the realm, which is geography, Metalstone, I believe, which is culture and society, the warp and the void, which is the forces at play, the bestiary, which is creatures of the land. There's a little section on game mastering, which I feel was completely unnecessary. Um, yeah, and the is. epilogue, um, which is just a little, it's basically just a little thing that says, this is a game about violence. Um, but it's just a game. Keep it in game, which which is nice. It's a nice touch. Yeah. Um, so real quick, um, let's dig it into Genesis, which is the story of the world. Um, basically, without without reading it verbatim, what what I feel, what I get from this, um, and you can tell me if you feel like you got something else from it. There were two two people, the Eloi E L O I, which were um. Uh, very technologically advanced. They had yeah. um, powerful weapons, terrible war machines. They had tech, basically. And then there are Morlocks, which are some type of like subhuman, quasi Neanderthal like species. Right. right? Subspecies. They call them subhumans in the book. Yeah. Right. And these these two forces were at war with each other. Um, and it was this. They call the the beginning line is it was called the war capital T, capital W, for it was the only one ever fought and it lasted for centuries. Both sides fought for their right to exist, challenging each other with their opposite natures. Um, Basically, in the story of this, um, these two places were, these two people, the Eloi and the the Morlocks, were fighting and fighting and fighting. And long story short, um, it sounds like the Eloi um, used some type of incredibly powerful weapon. Um on the uh, Morlocks. And uh, 
and not only did they destroy basically the planet, they they kind of did like uh like a matrixy kind of thing. That's what I feel like. That was like we know it was them that scorched the sky yeah. or whatever. That kind of thing. Basically the sky yeah, it was us, yeah. Basically the sky is now fucked. There's no true light that comes through. It's just a, this kind of cascade of psychedelic colors and patterns and shit. Um what, I don't know if you interpret it this way. To me, it sounds like they dropped the nuke. Yeah, something like, like that. I wouldn't say it's like one for one a nuke, but yeah, something to this that, that effect. Something right? to that effect. Um, yeah. And it caused um, mutations and chaos and all this stuff all over. And it also, where that machine went off, um, whatever it was, um, caused this thing called the void to open. Um, and the void is some type of like portal or or um opening to another reality yeah. in which like demons and evil things from the abyss can kind of like reach through into into this realm um and the world as it is now is the um to me a, a long time after this this stuff is in the past for them um yeah, it's, in this it's world fu like future past you know? I love and I love future past, man. Yeah. I love future past. Um, and this is supposed to be like a primeval, like kind of like almost acid fantasy kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it feels like that going through it. So yeah, it's very. I think they call it. Um, I call it bone and stone. Um, is mm. is how the world is basically outside of like the tech that you're not supposed to own. Most of your weapons are bone and stone. Um, and most of the metal are are not alloys. They're directly pulled from the ground. So it's like copper and iron and stuff like that. There's no steel. Um, and and those mines are still open and things like that. So it's this kind of primitive fight for resources in this broken world kind of situation. Um, and uh, yeah. And uh, one of the things that I really love about this book is the God, art. It is art. clearly an art book. Yeah. It's to me not the style of the art, but the way that they use the art in the book reminds me of uh, Merkborg. Reminds me of I think Merkborg did like uses the art more in the way that they um, uh, present the book. Like, uh, yeah, well, like Merkborg is, is the art book. So yeah, well, I think this is. I would put this. I would put this in the art book realm. I would put this in the art book realm. Yeah. It, yeah, I guess it is. Yes, it, it very much is, but maybe not to the same degree. Not know? to the same degree. I think it's it's a little bit less, but because Merkborg, like I said, actually uses like um that like wood carving picture of the man with like all the weapons stuck in him yeah. to to do the weapons. This one doesn't do that. It doesn't necessarily use the art as um, a way to tell the story. For, yeah. yeah, functional. It there's there's background art like these two pages that we're looking at right now is just art. There's no there's no writing, there's no nothing. It's just art on these two pages. Um and then uh and then the other art is used in the book. Um so one of the things while we're talking about kind of the genesis of the world that I really want to talk about was the tenet. Um do you know what page that's on? I don't but let me pull it real quick. Oh, no, I don't. It's, it's past 82. I know that. Oh, here it is. Okay. Um, so uh, we're looking at page 87. Um, the tenet is the basis for this world, and I feel like it <clears throat> defines the world so much you kind of have to start with this. 
Yeah, um, they should put it kind of earlier in the book, honestly. I really think they should. I mean, it's very early yeah. in the Tangible Realities book, which we'll go over in a little bit. But um, basically, and I, and this is the thing that I am going to read because it literally is the, like defines the entire setting and it makes sense. Believed to be a deliverance of wisdom made by the last remnants of the Eloi race, the Tenet, capital T, is an assortment of principles that warn men not to delve in the heresies that drove the collapse of civilization and the world. Priests insist in their preaching that the return of the true light can only be made possible through strict adherence to these principles. During a period of turmoil events known as the Schism, the tenet was expanded to include warnings against the influence of the void in the practice of witchcraft. This caused an exile of dark art practitioners to Nock, which is a city, N-O-C-H. Um, the Obsidian City has never officially recognized this amendment to the tenet. So there's um, five parts to the tenet, and what this is saying is that part five um, is not recognized as um, by dark magic practitioners like warlocks and witches as being an official part of the original tenet. So number one, what was written must be destroyed. So literally, like if you find books with words in them, burn them. Burn them. <laughs> burn them all. Much like um. I'm gonna never mind. I'll keep I'll keep current events out of it. Um, number two, you shall you shall not study the past. Do not study history. Number three, you shall not seek to understand the laws of nature. Sounded more and more like current events. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, it really is getting um, pretty close. Yeah. Um, we are at the book banning stage of fascism. Um. Number three, you shall not seek to understand the laws of nature, which is really interesting to me. So it's literally do not science. Yeah, don't science. Yeah, exactly. Don't science. That's it. Um, number four, you shall not build machines that replace the honest labor of man, which is interesting to me. Literally, like, yeah. this is the, just completely anti-science rhetoric. It's literally like you can't read, you can't write, you can't study history, you can't study science. You can't build machines. You can't do. You can't do any of those things um, in order to um, make things easier for yourself. Right. Um, and those are all one. backlash against. Those are all a backlash against the fact that an advanced civilization destroyed the world. So they're yeah, like, well, then we can't be advanced. Um, what were you saying about the last one? I was going to say number four. Um, I said right. this to Ryan earlier. Uh, no, number four. Um, of oh, you're tenets. saying in relation to number yeah, four. Um, yeah. Reminds me of uh, those of you who've, who've read Dune or haven't. There is a, like, there was a jihad way earlier in Dune timeline where they banned the creation of, of computers, essentially, machines that uh, mimic a human mind. Um, and that reminds me of that because it's like, yeah, like, we're not going not gonna to let machines take over and do the work for us. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and number five. Um, you shall neither practice witchcraft nor establish pacts with otherworldly beings, um, which I think is super interesting because, again, this was added on at the end. So this is basically right. like a religion was formed that had this text, and then there was something they didn't like, so they just threw some shit on the end. Just um, like Christianity. <laughs> just like Christianity. Um, so, uh, yeah, very interesting um uh and the tenants define the entire world and so just imagine a primitive world where uh some cataclysmic cataclysmic event happened destroyed society society rebuilt itself in this kind of primeval bronze age um or pre-bronze is bronze an alloy 
Yeah, it's copper and tin, right? Right. Yeah, um, it is. So it's a pre-Bronze Age primitive world um, where tech used to be and can still be found um, at times because technocrats are are a thing. Um, <clears throat> and uh, that is how that is how the world works. Um, yeah. So now digging to the uh, rules. Um, home button. There we go. Page I I don't like them. I don't either. I don't like them. I just don't <clears throat> like them. Um, what do you not like about them first? They're unnecessarily complicated. Okay. What do you not like about them? I so the role under okay so um for everyone who since we're going through this anyway you have four stats right right um your stats are agility might lore and wits. Um, when you are rolling in this game, um, so if you have like a 10 for your stat, right? You're going to roll 2d6. 10 is a very high one because you want to roll under. Obviously, 2d6, your highest number is 12. Um, so the higher the number, the easier it is to roll under. What I didn't like is that, and this might not make sense because I was thinking last night when I was drinking, so you guys might have to parse it out for me. If I have a DC, like a d20, right? And I'm a good at a thing. I, so I have a 17. So even if that roll, the DC is like a 14, like I have a 17, so I'm, I'm, or sorry, let me start over. Um, let's say that the DC of a roll is something hard. It's, it is a 17, right? And I have a plus three to whatever that is. So when I roll, I have that plus three no matter what. So even if it's a hard roll for somebody else who doesn't have the plus three, it's a little bit easier for me because I do have the plus three. For this one, if it's a very hard roll, everyone gets like a minus two. So if you have a 10, like you get minus two, you have to roll under eight, but everyone gets that. So it kind of, I don't know. I don't know if you get the same benefit of being good at something as you would in like a roll over system. Um, um, we'll have to dig into that a little bit. We'll have to dig okay. into that a little bit. So, so, that might not so make real sense, quick, but like, yeah, you'll go through it. Yeah. Well, it, honestly, the whole system didn't make sense until they had like a breakdown of like, John does this, fights the Morlock. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like an example of it. And then I was like, oh, I get it. I don't like it. Um, so we touched on <laughs> we touched on the four things. Agility is what you think it is. Coordination, balance. Um, it's for dodging and ranged attacks and stealth. Um, might is for physical power, resistance, health, and stamina. Um, lore is knowledge. It's, it's wisdom. It's all of those kind of things. Um, wits is quick, inventive thought and social interaction. So for those that are more um, D&D inclined, it's basically dex, strength, whiz, and intelligence together, and charisma, kind of. Kind um, of. Kind of. Um, Wisdom and, was almost uh, split in two with this one, you know? Yeah. And then, but then your wits also rolls your initiative, which the whole concept of initiative in this, I'm not a fan of either. Because um, you roll it like every round. Which is annoying. Not like that. I just yeah. think there's there's some uh, there's a, it feels like the system and when we get into it deeper you'll understand why that it kind of tries to save rolls and then adds rolls, yeah. um, which is I don't like. I don't mind. So you're talking about roll under systems. I don't mind roll under systems. Um, the better you are at something, the easier it is, right? So if you have a, if right. you if I have a four on a two d six because this is the two d six system, um, I have to roll really low numbers or I fail. But if I have a right. ten. The odds of me winning or succeeding are are much higher. So like right. I don't mind the roll under, um, especially in two d six. Um, 
I don't think it makes any real difference doing roll over. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. You're probably right so I don't know why you would pick. It. Yeah, why you'd pick yeah. one instead of the other? It doesn't really, you know, make much of a difference. I guess. What game did we just go over recently that had like a? Oh, it was um, uh, Net uh, Necronautilus had a variant on the 2d6 system oh, which yeah, was like uh if you get dead on versus over under or something like that is necronalis a roll under i'm already blanking on my mind i think so yes yeah, for, yeah um i think success. that one was a much cleaner version yes i will yeah. agree with much cleaner so okay so we'll try to talk through this in a way that makes sense but it won't hey babe that's much much my wife is in the chat hello Dude. hi Hi, Kay. Hi. Um, how's it going? <clears throat> Got to sit up and. Oh yeah, oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, babe, how you doing? <laughs> yeah. Um. So, um, human attributes range from five to ten. Five is poor. Ten is excellent, and everything in between. Um, hunty boo. Jesus Christ. Um. <laughs> When a player wants his or her character, I don't. I, I like that they do his and her, but I think it'd be a lot easier. One thing that bugged me is why didn't you just write there, like just just they throughout, and you don't have to write this his slash her the entire time. Um, Hunter is lower volume than me. I'm fully aware we're having some yeah, microphone having issues. I'll talk louder. <laughs> um. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know why. We'll have to figure out some 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 microphone. Um. Uh, stuff later. Do you have like yeah. Logitech, um, the program downloaded? I do. So we'll have to open that up and play with it yeah. later. We'll mess around. Um, no, you good, babe. Um, but uh, you. are you talking to me or my wife? Both. Okay. Um, when a player wants their character to do something, they must describe how they want to do it and their intention. Then the game master will indicate the attribute corresponding to the action. Same thing. When you do 2d6, don't say, mm, I want to do a might test. Just say, I want to punch this motherfucker in the face. And then the DM will go, okay, that's might, roll might, you know? Um, so basically, the result is equal to or less than the attribute number corresponding to that action. Then the action is carried out successfully. I feel like, real quick, they are wordy, like D, like 5e, Watsy, D&D is wordy. Yeah, it like, does not like need they, to have this many words. It, really it does doesn't. not need to have this many words, and it just makes it convoluted. It's it's unnecessary. Yeah. Um, if the if the result is greater than the attribute number, then the action fails. So basically, as we talked about earlier, if you have a seven, that's considered regular, um, a regular range of human ability. So if you roll two d six and get a seven or less, you succeed, and if you get an eight or more, you fail. Roll under your attribute score. That's fine. That's clean. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with yeah. that. Any successful result equal to or greater than eight will be considered a critical success. These outstanding... See, this is another part that doesn't make sense to me. Like, what if your yeah, attribute's 10? This part ten? didn't make sense to me, yeah. What if your attribute's 10? It also so if equal you're equal to or greater than... Yeah, I, I don't... Yeah, yeah. Right. So if you, if you are doing... If your attribute is already nine, that means every time you succeed on on um but it, it's eight or greater yeah i, I thought think, it was a roll under i think so the if you roll this yeah is any successful result so it has to be a success so you have to have a i mean an eight or greater as your stat uh, uh -huh. because like yeah if i have a 10 
right? And I roll a nine. Well, that's a greater than eight and it's a success. So it's a crit. So it's a that crit. So if you have no stats, if you have all bad stats, you know, like, I mean, it's I know, impossible it's like, to crit. Or it makes it, yeah, if you were doing a certain, if you have just one low stat, you can never crit for that, um, that stat, which I think that's unfair. Like, you should be able to crit for anything, even if you're bad at it. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, don't I didn't. I, I'm not I a fan. It. And it took me. It takes. It took me a while to like. This is so just. I. It, it's. It's convolutedly written because convolutedly is a word. Um, these outstanding successes involve a highly effective action that can be described according to the game. So in combat, a critical success causes a roll in the hit location table and a special effect. Um, uh, and a special effect according to the type of the damage caused. So if you do. If you do get this success uh, equal to or above an eight, you get to crit and then you get to roll on two separate tables. Yeah, if you're listening to us talk right now and how much trouble we're having parsing this out, like in something that is like kind of an OSR adjacent system, like that's an issue that it's complicated. We're having to yeah. logic this out right now. And like getting yeah. down to like, well, it says any success. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Not. Yeah. Yeah. To sum it up, why are you just summing it up? Then just give me this part to begin with. Just give me this. The higher the result, the higher the result obtained in the two d six roll without surpassing the corresponding attribute number, the better the overall performance. I got it. Okay. So there okay. is there is some italicized section here that has like a breakdown of this, and it, and these are a little bit easier to um to understand when you when you read these. Okay. Let me get this up so you can see it on the page. Athor, yeah, because it's a summary. <laughs> yeah, Athor. Well, it's like a breakdown of like how it would work yeah. in the game. Athor, the character interpreted by Matthew, tries to swim across the turbulent waters of a river. The game master decides that this is an action of hard difficulty that must be accomplished with the might attribute. Okay, so on top of um, oh, um, on top of this two D six system, which should be cleaned by itself. There's difficulty values on top of this that that add multipliers, which, come on, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, the Game Master decides that this is an action of hard difficulty that must be accomplished with a mind attribute. Matthew has might eight. He gets a minus one of this attribute, reducing it to seven. He must now roll 2d6 and get a total result equal to or less than seven to successfully cross the river. I get that, but it didn't talk, it didn't break down the, um, the crit stuff, regardless. Difficulty modifiers. Why? I mean, again, I think that defeats the purpose of a 2D6 system. Like to add difficulty modifiers and stuff, it just makes it, I don't know. It makes it less clean, I think. Like, yeah, but I anyway. Agree. Um, so some actions are more difficult than others. Um, and there are modifiers that directly affect an attribute. So difficulty assessment of an action, easy is a plus one, medium is a zero, hard is a minus one, very hard is a minus two, and almost impossible is a minus three. So you roll 2d6, but you you subtract that not from your roll so that you're rolling under. You subtract it from the attribute prior to your roll. Okay. So if you have a seven might trying an almost impossible task, um, um, uh, an almost impossible task, it takes you to a four, and then you roll your 2d6 and have to roll under a four. Right. Right. 
it's not like and i'm explaining this out loud in my head to also make it make sense it's not like it's a minus three so you roll your stat which maybe you roll like a nine right and then and you then get take to take three, three off of that exactly yes. that is not what's happening here so and then we have complications whenever a player rolls a one one or a six six on their main action a complication arises which we know complications in 2d6 systems um right. it is it's you know some shit happens um when the pc yeah 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 when a pc rolls one one uh snake eyes some call it the action will be barely successful and will cause a complication because don't forget when you roll under yeah rolling low is good yeah except if you get snake eyes and basically it says that you barely succeed because uh, again the system is designed so that you have to roll under but as high as possible so if your might is nine you want to roll as close to nine as possible so rolling extra low is not good you want to roll high but less than or equal to your score so it makes sense if you have a nine you want to hit a nine which gives you a crit success and then a two ones is the worst you can do while still succeeding right um but it causes the complication um and then 2d6s is always a miserable fail and a complication because the stats don't even go up to 12. um and then there's a list of possible complications you fall you drop an item stuff like that um i like this i like roll tables i'm a big fan of roll tables so anytime that i can just like if i want to just pick this game up and play it, it is very forgiving for that because there are a lot of roll yeah there's a oh, yeah. there are so many on. Yeah, there are so many roll tables. Um, willpower is the thing that I read and then read and then read again. Um, Me and maybe too, buddy. <laughs> what the like? It's unnecessarily complicated. It, is it really unnecessary. is unnecessary. Willpower is both a powerful resource for players and a variable stat variable that is stats. equal to a variable stat that is equal to half the lore attribute number rounded down. Rounded down, right? Okay. Spending willpower must be declared before the roll. Willpower tests are performed by rolling 2d6 equal to or below 5 plus the remaining willpower points. What? <laughs> Dude, what? like, functionally, do I understand what they're saying? Yes, but if I'm reading, I'm just I'm just not into things that we have to think this hard about picking up rules anymore, man. Like, I know. Like, I know. No, this is... Like, Compare this to Victory Basic, right? Right. Come on. Um, Prepare it, it is Merkborg into the odd. Like, you yeah. know, like. Well, so Merkborg is a D20 system. Down. Yeah. Yeah, but I just mean, like, in general, for taking in moves. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Okay, so Merkborg has a uh, one page, this is how you play the game book. Warpland has a 22 page, this is how you play the you game play, yeah. book. Um, which is a nice little add-on book. We'll talk about this a little bit. It's called the Forbidden Book of Tangible Reality. It was a Kickstarter stretch goal. It's nice. It's a, it's it's a nice little little it's extra little book. We'll guide. talk about that. Yeah, it's a good little quick guide. Um, it's literally um, it is literally a guide to playing the game. Um, but again, it's twenty two pages to hit all the things you need to have for this game. Um, but even the base mechanics are more than just a couple of pages. Anyway, so. These tests are required by the Game Master when attempting to resist personality flaws, mind-affecting magics, and fear. A character without willpower left will have a difficult time resisting his tendency to drink heavily or that confusion spell a sinister um, sorcerer is preparing for him. 
willpower is a dynamic measure, but like, what the fuck do you do with it? A character with no remaining willpower, PCs can replenish one single willpower point after a comfortable sleep. What are you doing with it? It does, like, there's there's a lot of things when you go through the book that it does little stuff with, like when you use any of the, the psychotropic drugs, which we'll go through, like a lot of them are willpower focused or you have to test against and not get addicted to them. Um, it seems but, like there's a, but, a smattering of, of little small things. But just by reading into this, it never says when you roll willpower, you reduce that willpower. It, it's a number of points that you reduce. Yeah, I actually it. didn't even get that until you just said that, frankly. Right, um, right. So It literally is. So the way it is, it's half your lore attribute. So say your lore is eight, right? right? So your willpower is four. Now, what do I do with that? A willpower test? Okay, it's five plus my willpower points is my roll under. So it's nine is what I have to roll under to succeed on willpower. But I spend these like points, but I don't spend any of their attributes by like by points. So why am I spending this by points? Where does it say you spend them? I see where it says you get them back, but right. Well, how can you get them back unless you spend them? Right. No, I mean I completely agree. But maybe nowhere does it say how you spend them you know or what, what you actually, add. It does say it. I remember it says where? it later on. It says it why not hear things. things. I don't fucking. Spending um, willpower must always be declared. Spending it on what? It can be spent to re-roll. Okay, maybe I'm maybe I'm dumb. It can be spent to re-roll one single dice in a result. Spending willpower must always be declared before rolling the dice for an action. I don't I don't okay, so I don't understand that. Like I can roll a 2d6. Um and, but before I roll, I have to declare I'm using a willpower point before I ever see my 2d6 rolled. So basically it's a way to give yourself advantage. So you yeah, roll 3d6. So an easier way to say this is you get advantage with a willpower point, you roll 3d6 and the point is spent. Yeah, I don't like this. I don't like it. I don't, I just, I don't, I think there's a way to do this or word it that's a lot more forgiving and understanding. Um, it's poorly or, written. It's poorly yeah, worded. It's, poorly it's incredibly written. Yeah. poorly worded. Yeah. Um, so uh, hit points. Um, uh, a PC's hit points is equal to their might attribute. So if your might's five, your HP is five. Right. Um, PCs can go. recover one. <laughs> yeah. you know? PCs can recover a single hit point after having comfortable sleep. Cool. Um, wounded characters that have lost. Half or more of the hit points receive a minus one to all their actions. Heavily wounded get a minus two. Incapacitated, you're 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 down and out and left it, and you die in one d six rounds. Um, and then treating wounds restores one HP. It requires a lore test. Um, and blah 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 blah. Okay, so basically your might is equal to your hit points. Yeah, yeah, and I actually really like the wounded mechanic here. Um, I like the idea of like, yeah, you know, if you're hurt, you suck at stuff because you're you're fucking hurt, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I like the idea that you don't get all of your stuff back on on a rest. Because yeah. fifth edition, I have 187 hit points. I just battled a dragon, got all the way to a, zero. I'm gonna take a good night's sleep and I'm gonna be yeah. fine tomorrow. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. And I can even get most of it back with a quick nap. Um yeah. I'm going to sit down for 10 minutes and I'll be fine. <laughs> Listen, I nap all the fucking time and I never feel good. So this is some <laughs> bullshit. 
Um, I do like that. I do like that you don't heal everything. So, yeah. um, yeah. but the, but tying it to your might is interesting because the whole game is based around power. It talks about it later. Like there's a specific little, I remember there's a little tag that says gender doesn't mean shit in this world. It's all about power. Like yeah. whether you're a man or a woman or whatever, um, if you can prove you have power um, and people can see that, then you're good to go. You know, the whole point is to just have just power. like the real world, you know, just yeah, just like the real world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, combat is fast and dramatic experience. It must be role played accordingly. It's not fast when you have to do as much math as this. It's fast, except all the rules you have to do. Players should be eloquent with their actions and intentions, and game masters should be decisive with their consequences. In Warpland, only the players roll. It's player-facing roles. We talked about this. Um, an action is attacking, blocking, casting, sprinting. An action is not dodging, shouting, or moving. I don't understand why dodging isn't an action. Um, uh, I think dodging is a separate... There are dodge roles, which is interesting to me. So in this 2D6 system... It's not like Victory Basic, where, like, if it's... The monsters hit you back on, like, seven... Anything less than a nine, right? Nine or less. Right. Or some something happens, but, like, generally, if you hit a monster, the monster gets a chance to hit you or something bad happens to you if you roll seven to nine. In this, you hit... you like I think everything gets an initiative. Like, like it's like, uh, it's like um, how Merkborg is player-facing rolls, but the bad guys still get turns of their own. Not yeah. turns based like, on you. It, it, it's it's like D and D. It's it's everything. No, it's I not. Just, well, I mean, yeah, everything has an initiative. Everything gets its own like move. Like. Right, but it's but it's so it's like Merkborg in that the monsters yeah. have an initiative, but you roll to not be hit. They don't roll to hit you. That's true. It is still player facing rolls. I just yeah. There's there's too much going on for a, for a two d six system for me. You know. I, I agree. Um, movement during combat, a PC can move twice his or her agility. There's also a lot of stuff here. I like very specific ranges, like 60, 60 feet, 61 plus is a different range level and stuff. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Um, yeah. combat is divided into rounds. Each round, um, players, um, at the start of each round, each player must make a wits test for initiative. So at the start of every round, so one of the things in fifth edition that irritates a lot of people is initiative. People think it takes too long to roll initiative every at the start of combat. It I don't does. know if, if you know that. It does, yeah. It does so take let's do it long. every so let's do it at the start of every round. <laughs> that sounds good, right? Start of every round, people roll initiative. Perfect. Yeah. Um, during each round, players take their actions, melee attacks and might, range or agility, dodges are made with agility. To successfully dodge an enemy's attack, the PC must roll a result equal to or below his or her agility stat. Um, remember that only players roll. Yeah. So basically, um, if you want to dodge, um, you can roll under your agility, and that is how you um, uh, dodge. But if you're going to block... Um, blocking an enemy is an action that can be performed only if PC has won initiative. So you can only block if you go first in initiative um, and you do a might test. I don't know why, why, why the, um, why the, why? Why? Why can you only why? block if you go, if you're first in initiative? Makes no sense. You can dodge on your turn. Why couldn't you, so you can move out of the way but you can't put up a shield. I mean, okay. 
Um, damage is included. Okay, this is another part I really don't fucking like. I really don't like it. Okay, it make it. I had to read it, and we'll read it, and it might make sense to people. But damage is included in the attack and in the dodge test. When a PC attacks, damage is determined by the highest rolled dice plus additional modifiers for the weapon that is being used. Lost already, but let's keep going. When a PC fails to dodge an enemy's attack, damage is equal to the difference between the total dice result and the player character's agility stat plus additional bonus modifiers for the weapon that is being used. Oh, what the fuck? All right. So, um, okay. So if I roll 2d6 and uh-huh. one of the highest is a four, my damage is a four plus whatever modifiers are like relevant to that. Right. Okay. I don't like it. It's weird. I don't know. I mean, I, I might actually run this with a pickup group and just see how it feels sometimes because this is like really weird to me. Um, like I'm so used to 2D6 systems being this like really simple thing that makes everything so fluid and like, and I, this just doesn't feel very fluid to me. It doesn't. It and doesn't. Which I don't, I'm going to keep saying the entire, the entire way down, but like at no point am I like, oh yeah, this is perfect, you know? Yeah, no, it's not at all. Um, it just doesn't, there's, it's convoluted for no fucking reason. If this is your base mechanic, I'd be fine with it, right? If this is your base mechanic, I'd be totally fine with it. You, you get to roll 2d6, and if you hit, right, and your highest roll of those 2d6 was a 5, you do 5 damage. Okay, I'm fine with that. It's just all the other yeah. stuff we also just talked about. The fact that you can dodge when an enemy tries to hit you, um that's how you do it because it's player facing rolls but you can't block when an enemy tries to hit you unless you won the initiative and you have to do initiative at the start of every round god this seems like combat would be a nightmare a nightmare it would it, combat don't. would just suck <laughs> dude i don't and the, the whole thing he says about here where combat is a fast and dramatic experience except, it doesn't yeah, sound like it fast and dramatic except every way they've set up combat to run every i feel like i feel like there's like one or two times where they're like let's like the whole concept of like you roll 2d6 and not only is that your attack it's also your damage in one i'm like great reduce number of dice rolls i know a lot of people like in the system that i'm writing there are no damage rolls there's a set amount of damage for different yes. weapons types I'm and a that's huge it huge fan of that yeah and i and people keep saying like people like to roll dice i know plenty of people that are like fuck that the less dice the faster it moves like yeah. let's go you know well, um and, and there's a lot of systems like I've been playing Broken Worlds with one of my groups, and they really love that, and it's set damage. And then when I play Cypher with, uh, when I did play Cypher with my buddies, like all the damage is set based on whatever the weapon is, and it's like, man, combat's so fast when you don't roll damage, and you're like, dude, it's so you want you want combat to be dynamic and interesting? Don't roll for damage. Get rid of the dice. You know, get, yeah, rid, get of rid of the dice. Get rid of the dice. In one Seriously. way or another, figure out some way to get rid of a roll. You know, the fewest number of dice you can have in combat the faster and more dynamic combat can be because and it you gets fast and it gets super yeah. dynamic and it feels like that because you're like I'm, a, I'm rolling one die cool i know what i did like oh it's so good 
you know? But compare that to 5th edition combat where you're running with five people at the table and someone has to roll 18 fucking dice just to get through their turn and read a whole book to remember their 17th level feature and shit. Like, it bogs down. And by the time it gets back around to you, you're like, oh my god. Like, no matter who you are, it's hard to stay... It's hard to stay invested when every person takes so long. And unless you oh, know exactly God. what you want to do at the start of every turn, you're literally like, oh, okay, what did they do again? Oh, hmm. Well, do well, I want to do this? You can't do this. person in initiative, you're like, fuck, I wasn't even paying attention. I whether so you far. want to or not, whether you're trying to or not, whether you're a good player or not, if you have, say you're doing that, right? And you're fighting like a like a, an encounter set for like a 12th level party. So you got hundreds of hit points to get through. Hundreds of hit points to get through. With five people at the table, the more dice you roll, the longer that shit takes. This, again, the mechanic I kind of like. I mean, I, I kind of mm. like the... I'm, 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 I'm up in the air. I'm back and forth. Sometimes I like right. it, sometimes I don't. There's I things about like the, I really like. You roll 2d6, and that is your damage and your roll. Okay, cool. It is all the rest of it that is a pain in the ass that I don't yeah. understand the purpose of. Um, so let's keep let's keep cruising through this. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> let's keep criticizing through this. Yeah. I, listen, I mean, we do have a score for rule set and crunch. We do. And honestly, this be... is kind of the first time we've gone in hard on the game. Most of the other games yeah. we've been, we've really enjoyed you know yeah the the most of the mechanics of the other games are either like lancer was very 5e adjacent um yeah. necronautilus with some, with some cool little extra stuff you know right i so i said 5e adjacent um right. necronautilus had a great system that we really enjoyed i can't really pick Loved a mechanic it. i don't enjoy in there merc board's Loved amazing about it Merc board what, what else what else did he there's parts in troika that i didn't like i still don't think yeah. the stack is is really clean is this not. is the first time yeah this is I don't even remember the other games that we've that we've reviewed. I think it's it. Yeah. We're only on like episode like eight or something like that. Seven or eight. Yeah. And you weren't even on the first couple. I wasn't on the first um, few. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're right. This is the first time we've really gone in on a game and been like. <laughs> so we'll see the score. Um, So so I don't I feel like we understand that we don't need to. We don't need. Look, oh, there's a there's a there's an example. There's an example. After crossing the river, Athor, the character interpreted by Matthew, comes face to face with the Morlock, a level zero creature wielding a crude stone axe. The game master calls for an initiative test. Roll for initiative. Athor has wits seven, um, which is the score used for initiative. Matthew rolls two d six and gets a four and a two, which in this game they they mark it often. I think is forty two, not as four and two. It's just forty two. A total number of six. A success. He gets to act first. Um. So you're not rolling against a Morlock. You're literally rolling against your own stat again. Right. He decides to attack the Morlock with his knife. He must roll the result below his might, which is an eight to successfully hit his enemy. Matthew rolls a two and a three, a 23, which is a five, another success. The highest roll dice is a three. So he, I need to stop clicking. So he deals three damage. Um, he deals three damage plus an additional one for his weapon modifier, in this case, a knife. Athor's attack has delivered a total of four damage to the Morlock. The Game Master describes how the knife is buried in the belly of the subhuman, making him howl in pain. The Morlock now retaliates with his stone axe. The damage received had exceeded half his hit points, 
So he is now considered wounded, and this grants a plus one bonus to Athor to haul his actions, right? Because we talked about earlier, wounded, heavily wounded, stuff like that. Right. Okay. Um, Athor tries you, to for dodge. For a second, I was like, oh, plus one. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right, that's bad. <laughs> it's roll yeah. under. Athor tries to dodge the attack using agility, which is seven, adjusted to eight because of the enemy's wounds. Um, Matthew rolls um, a four and a six, which is 46, which is a 10, which is a miss. The difference between his total... This is a part I don't like. The difference between his total dice result and his adjusted agility is two. The stone axe has a plus two damage modifier. The attack deals a total damage of four to Athor. So, it's kind of the reverse. In, the, in, in your attack, when you're trying to hit something, you roll 2d6. Say you get a 42. You succeed because your might is eight. Okay, so you rolled a six and you had to roll under eight, success. You rolled a four and a two. The highest roll is a four. Say you have a plus one, you now did five damage. It's not that I don't understand this, it's that I straight up don't like it. I agree, I agree. But let's make it worse. Um, when you're when you're dodging, when you're dodging an attack, okay, I also don't think this gives a high, I don't think this scales damage well at all, okay? Um, Matthew rolls, okay, Athor rolls to dodge, okay? I don't know why they go back and forth, but Matthew's playing Athor. Okay, he has a seven <laughs> that's agility. A, that's actually been really confusing, but yeah. yeah. He has got a seven agility, and the creature is, let's, we're not worried about the wounded shit, okay? Let's say it's an eight agility, and Matthew rolls, um, uh, 46, which is a 10, okay? So he misses. He does not roll under his agility. He does not dodge, Okay, the difference between his total results and the agility score is the damage. Okay, so his agility is eight and his roll was a 10. So he gets two damage. Right. This does not scale. It doesn't scale yeah. at all. The higher, if he rolled a nine, again, this is, so this is a, a system where the, the high you want to roll as close to your status possible. A low number is not good. A high number below your stat is good. So I guess to an extent it makes sense, but it doesn't scale well, right? Yeah. Because if your stats, so if your stats a four, right? Probably early in the game. If your stats a four and you roll a ten, that's six damage, right? Okay. But right. there's a point. There's a point in which your stat number is so high right if your stats a nine the only numbers that you can fail on are 10 11 and 12. yeah okay so but even if you roll three you right, know max three yeah. or whatever maximum three yeah. damage maximum that you can possibly take damage. well no i guess that's the the minimum no because if you roll a three that's a success okay yeah, you roll a success. Yeah. So my stats, worst... a my stats a 10. So right. I roll I roll an 11. Um, so I failed. Okay, well, that's one damage. <laughs> one damage. One damage. And I guess it's like the higher your score, the better you are at doing the thing. Right? Right. Yeah. But, but when I'm strong and I have a powerful character later levels, I still want to be at risk of taking harm. Right, but you're not in this system. You are literally not at danger in this system. If your HP 
if you have if you have 10 hp you literally have to fail 10 times to die cool even oh, so say you roll a 12 right which is a crit super bad super fail you get a right. consequence on top of your damage you still only take two damage okay and i know 10 is the highest it could possibly go so say 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 eight is your average right you have to roll a 12 to do four damage well i mean eh, eh, there's 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 so the other thing though is that there's uh modifiers to the weapons right so stone axe is a plus right. two damage modifier so i guess even if you roll an 11 and it's a plus two you'll still take three damage yeah you know i still don't like this <laughs> like I still don't think it scales well. Yeah. I still don't think it scales well because that modifier is the same regardless. Right. And there's a big difference between four damage plus two and one damage plus two. And if you get to a point where you literally can't fail outside of an 11 or a 12, statistically, statistically, like that's a two, that's a one in six chance. That's a five in six chance that you're going to succeed. Right. Yeah. If your score is 10, if your score is 8, that's a 4 in 6 chance. That's a two-thirds chance that you succeed if your score is an 8. And that, 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 you don't even have to have, to have a score of an 8. You can have a score of 6 and just heavily wound somebody, and now you have yeah. an 8. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, we'll have to play it, and obviously they play tested this. I don't think, especially at higher levels that you there, there must be something we're missing like we have to be just well, missing something i don't think so the, the problem is the advancement literally the back of the book says you advance by one attribute point after an entire six to eight session campaign holy shit seriously i did not mm -hmm. read the back of the book i'm gonna be honest yeah i can't remember what page it's on but it literally talks about advancement and it literally is like you 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 very little but I'm oh like, then why God. have? Well, then why even have it at all? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. What really? See, I would hack that. I'm mean, like, no, every you know three sessions. So I'm not gonna get a whole yeah. campaign barely level. Um, yeah, literally. Okay. Like you're. Yeah, literally the entire campaign. You're gonna run an entire thing to barely level. Um, I do. I do like the wounded mechanic though. I do like you if like something the hits mechanic. you. Yeah, if something hits you for like half your half your hit points, um, where was that? Uh, combat. wait, no, it's above combat, isn't it? Yeah, it's under it's under hit points. It's on hit points. Page yeah, twelve characters that have lost half or more of their hit points receive a minus one. Um, and characters that have one hit point left have a minus two. I do yeah. like that. I do. That like might that. be my favorite rule so far. Yeah, that is. That's not even a might. That is my favorite rule so far. Um, I think the only parts of the system I really like right now is I don't mind, I don't mind the hitting with the 2d6, just roll your two dice. Yeah. I don't like the dodging. I don't, we just talked about how much we don't like the dodging. Yeah. Um, and then we haven't even talked about blocking, which, which, I mean, uh, who knows? No, we're not even going to talk about blocking. Blocking is not in here. Um, <laughs> yeah, because we're not going to play yeah, it just goes to yeah, yeah. So um, it talks about NPCs and it's just different levels of NPCs from right. zero to three. 
Zero, one, two, three. Um, commoners are zero. City guards are one. Veterans are two. Um, veterans, chimeras, warlords, lictors, and minor demons. And level three are heroes, champions, liches, demons, badass shit. So, yeah. so NPCs slash bad guys and stuff like that. Basically, I don't feel like this is necessary in here literally at all. Um, it's also it's also just a weird part because we're in the middle of like rules and almost character creation. Um, uh, and I mean, we're about to get to actual character creation, but it's it seems like a thing that you'd put in the game master section of the book yeah. because it's a game master specific. I agree. And then there's this tiny Ouch. thing. If you look on this page here, there's this NPC section. There's I again, it's an art book. I do like. There's a big empty part of the page. Empty part of the page is filled with a cool picture of like a cool robot picture. or of a rabbit chopping giant a dude's head off. <laughs> um, giant rabbit chopping a guy's head off. But then there's a morale test right here after NPC levels. Yeah. Uh, morale test is done by the GM against a number equal to five plus NPC level. So I guess it's related to the NPC level. It is. But I feel like it's not a good spot. Ah, uh, yeah. So the it's, morale it's of... the, There's so much about the lore of this book that I'm like, oh, I love this. And then now we're going yeah. to that book. The rules, the the book suffers from the rules. But yeah. at the same time, at the same time, though, when you look at the book, the rules only take up like. What? Um, the rules only take up 24 pages, 25 pages of 150 page book. So it's a lore art book with some rules in it. Not it is definitely a, a, lore a rule book. book. Uh, special damage effects. This is one of those things that if you roll the crit success, which is like eight or more with the success, but you have um, to or <laughs> oh, but here, here, here's here's the other mechanic that's also weird. Um, a one and a one and a six and a six is the fail, right? Right. Except when dodging, because when you dodge and get a success, you get six six, you get special damage. Wait, when I as a player character. Roll the dodge, and I roll oh. a six six. Oh, I guess it would be special damage against you. Yeah, it's so against that's, me. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's how you get special damage against you. Is you have to roll six six on a dodge to get special damage against you. Yeah. But if you roll eight or more on a success, you get special damage against them. So it's based on your type of damage: slashing, bashing, piercing. It gives you different things. There's bleeding damage, there's knockdown damage, or there's penetration damage. That's kind of it. Um, and there's also a hit location table, which is the D6 for just parts of the body, leg, abdomen, torso, left arm, right arm, head. Um, and if you get head, it's plus one damage. I like um, that. Kind of like that. Or the a good time. The tables in here are good. The tables are good. And the tables and are when we really get to good. The, when we get to the lore section, there's one or two parts about the lore that like, eh, like eh. I, I, they could have done a little bit different. Um, but there's so many roll tables and so many adventure seeds. You're like, yeah, I could just pick this up and I could roll up some stuff really quick and we could have a little adventure, you know? Yeah. Um, this, I don't like this. I don't like this. Um, so is this graded combat now? Is it so so what uh, I'm saying this, I say combat distances. Um, there are four different combat distances. Close combat, zero to five feet, you get a minus one to ranged attacks. Same shit with 5e. If you're in melee doing range, you it's it's it sucks for you. Why? Nearby, yeah, yeah nearby is six to sixty feet. Six to no, sixty feet. No change to range modifiers. 
far 61 to 100 feet is a minus one to ranged attacks and very far 101 to 150 is a minus two to ranged attacks so are we doing gridded combat because i don't know a lot of 2d6 systems that use gridded combat yeah they don't i mean that's kind of the thing is it's mostly theater of the mind um, yeah but this specifically says if i am 61 feet away yeah it's really it's really weirdly particular um real and and 60 not 50 like what mm, well, yeah. I mean, I think you saw. So I also, Brian and I both are working on separate games right now. Uh, but mine, I put range on there, and it's just like this, except it doesn't give you an actual feat. It's close, nearby, far, and, and very far, and it gives you a concept, like me, like whatever the nearby one is for me is like it's across a roof, you know? Yeah. Like same. My system literally is it's it's basically like Victory Basics, but mine is called basically. Um, it's adjacent, which maybe I'll just stick with the Victor basic terms, but it's adjacent, which means they're literally right next to you, or they're near, which means they're basically in the same room as you, or they're far, which is beyond that. And Victor yeah. basic basically uses near, close, and far, and it's like, one way I like to describe it, and I might even switch mine to this, is it's a sword strike, a spear's throw, or an arrow shot. Those yeah. are the distances. You know what I mean? Um... So I like that. Um, there's some some stuff, you know, a lot of a lot of pages that are just art, and a lot of pages that are um, um, like quotes and stuff, which is like yeah. lore based. It's not. There's one like Herman Hess quote in the beginning, but it's quotes from characters within the world, which I love. I love whenever it's, a book that is very cool. Yeah, Five E does a good job of that. Is where they put little things on the board on the thing, and it's like this is like. You know, whoever the fuck talking about this, you know, escaping this monster that, you know, um, I like that. <laughs> I like that. Um, it's fucking Trist. Um, <laughs> it's your favorite worst... drow. Bro, I like R.A. Salvatore. Um, for those I out think. there in the world that don't know, I hate Trista Warden for the yeah. same reasons I hate Superman. They're not interesting. They're uncorruptible. They always do the right thing and they always win. It's fucking boring um also shout out uh, if you're watching the stream because i'm like i have egg rolls squirreled away to the side and i'm like just like slowly taking little bites <laughs> there you go there you go so uh creating your character now we're on this um we're on page 18 we've almost got through all of the rules of the game because there's only 24 pages yeah really um, we have uh creating your character and well there's stuff later too for like mutations and all sorts of stuff mm -hmm. like that that's why this the little book is like 24 pages um it's also a much smaller book if you compare if you compare the two like if you could do that you can see you know on the podcast you can see the the small book is like half the width really that's yeah. another thing about this book that's interesting i know you're on the pdf the book itself is a very wide floppy book it's a weird shape yeah yeah, which I'm fine with. I'm fine yeah. with. Yeah. Um, NeuroCity is the same size. Um, it's cool to have something different shaped on your shelf. It stands out a little bit. Um, but anyway, creating your character. Number one, in six parts, think of a concept, then choose a name and describe your character's appearance. Number two, choose a personality flaw. Um, write down your proverb, which I like. That is a recurring phrase that sums up your character's ideals and life philosophy. Literally could be like sucks to suck. Um, well, we have one already character. in Victory Basic. It's the throw it in the bucket bucket, you know? Throw it in the fucking bucket. Yeah, there you go. 
Um, number three, distribute eight points amongst your four attributes, which start at a base of five. So you start with five and you get to add four more to those. So you can start with like eight might and one wits if you want. You can you can put two in, in each one, whatever you want to do. Um, you get to add four to your five, um, which means you can start with one stat of a nine if you want. If you want. You're big, strong and dumb, you know? Big, strong, and dumb. Um, um. Yeah. Stop yawning, oh. bro. You're gonna make me I'm yawn. I'm trying. I had a 12-hour shift last night. Um, and you can suck a bag of dicks. Choose one skill for each point greater than five in lore. So if you put a bunch of scores into lore, you get more skills. But the skills are like classes. Yeah, they're like which backgrounds. Is weird. It's like a class background, not a skill. I we'll we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll go. Write down the equipment you it. own. Yeah, write down the equipment you own according to your skills and concepts. Um, number five, roll a d20 in the background table. If you want to be a mutant, go to gifts from the warp, page one eighteen. But I can't click that. It's not hyperlinked. Um and then for wealth, you roll 1d6 times 10 copper pieces. Everything in the world is a copper, it's a copper standard. Um, everything is just these like shitty copper stamped coins that um uh with different uh symbols of each city. But um big transactions are usually done with like gold jewelry and stuff like that. So instead of and then they even give you a breakdown of like the conversion from like uh, a gold ring all the way up to like a gold like crown or something like that. Right. Um, and how much it's worth in copper. Uh, personality flaws are interesting. Um, just picking a couple addicted, delusional, a hedonist. Actually, I, I always really like stuff like this. Uh, yes, I like this. This is where when they this specifically is, are like the GM needs to interact with these things, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is when the book starts to shine. Once yes. they stop talking about dice rolls and start hitting the rest of it, the book just only gets better from here. Um, like I said, with a couple of knocks. So personality flaws, yeah, repulsive, savage, thrill seeker. And again, like books should do, if there's a space in it that would be empty, they put a piece of art in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, background table has some interesting backgrounds. A creature from the abyss slaughtered your family before your eyes. I don't see these as backgrounds. I see these as motivations. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, you have disgraced a great warrior who wants to recover his honor. Your mother has been lost to the corruption of the taint. <laughs> Why are you going to say it like that? Uh, your mother's uh, gotten lost in your taint. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, a warlock is hunting you. To me, these are not backgrounds. These are almost daggers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, yes, I'll use absolutely. the concept of dagger. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So so for those that don't know, and I think we might have talked about this before, I always tell my players give me three daggers. Um, I want a back a backstory that's not 18 pages long, but what I want in those backstories is daggers, which is an open-ended thing that I um basically it's a dagger. You sharpen this part of your backstory, hand it to me, and I stab you in the back with it later. For example, a very generic one is um you were a you're a rogue, you're a member of the Thieves Guild, right? Um uh, you didn't like the way that your boss of the Thieves Guild was doing stuff. You bounced, but on the way out, you stole something important to him. That's a dagger. You don't know where it's going to go. You don't know what's going to happen. That's a dagger, right? You know, so if you go back to that town... One, but I really yeah. do like that one. You yeah, know? yeah. If you go back to that town, you're fucked, or something's hunting you. You know what yeah. I mean? But, but you don't know. 
you just give it to the GM and the GM will figure that out later. Um, so anyway, for me, these feel like daggers, not backgrounds. And yeah. for me, skills feel like classes, not skills. Yeah, They're very class-like. They are classes. They are. Skills measure what your character knows and owns. A player, I like that knows and owns thing. There's, They say that throughout this thing a couple of times. Like your power is based on what you know and own. Right. You know, I like that. I think that's a cool line. A player character that wishes to accomplish a task in which he or she is unskilled will receive very hard modifier to the corresponding attribute, which is a minus two. For each number greater than five and lower, player character can choose one skill. Again, these are not skills. It's literally technocrat, bard, thief, merchant, healer, warrior, warlock, priest, ascetic. Um, these are not skills, they're classes, and skills is classes. So, for example, a technocrat studies, is a student of science and the functioning of Eloy technology, a dangerous endeavor indeed. I love the concept of technocrats in this. I don't like tech in my world, but I love future past tech. Yeah. Like, Midgard has a really cool thing they do in the Wasted West, in the Goblin Waste, where you can find, um uh this kind of like ancient tech with like batteries and everything like that it feels exactly like this um these individuals are scorned and in some places um persecuted because they don't follow the tenant basically these guys are trying to yeah yeah, these trying to find old eloy technology they're trying to read and write and learn science and history and all the things literally all the opposite things of the tenant if you are anywhere near the citadel as a technocrat, you will literally can be burned to death or quartered or or whatever it is. You're dead, son. Um, I like them. I think the technocrats are really cool. I do um, But that is an entire class. That is, that is who you are as a technocrat. At no point in this do I see a skill. I mean, I guess they can read and write and, and have a good grasp on history and the function of ancient artifacts. Um... Does that mean what does that mean? What modifier? I, mean, I, I feel get? like I feel like this means like, hey, I um, there's something going on and I want to, you know, I want to solve this puzzle that, that this old technology we're in front of. I have a technocrat as my bat as my skill. Um, so I'd like to roll solve it. It's like, okay, cool. This is gonna be a wits roll, so you have to roll below it. And you just play it's just it's just a um, it's just a roll. But for everyone else, they'd be like, well, I want to do this too. It's like, well, okay, it's going to be a minus two for you. Right, right. Except, except, right, Bard, performance artists of various kinds are common sight in cities, roads and taverns, they own musical instruments, blah, 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 blah. With the successful wits test, Bards can inspire their allies with great songs of heroic courage, giving them a plus one bonus to all actions in their next round. Yeah, so that's a thing they can do. Right, but but it's a plus one bonus. Right. So, it's just like an ex- I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, so just why doesn't un- the technocrat get a plus one to lore when rolling? What's up? No, it only says lenient GMs can get. What I'm saying is, like, there's a bunch of these. Like, priests get You're a plus a one to GM, all. Right? No, fuck no. Uh, <laughs> uh, priests get a give a plus one bonus to all social tests um, against those who follow the tenet. Um, uh, merchants start with extra gold. Um, uh, thieves, uh, once per combat, if they succeed on a will test, they can play a dirty trick on an enemy, penalizing him with a minus two. Most of these give you a mechanical bonus 
The technocrat is all lore, and maybe you get an artifact. So the technocrat's only worth taking if your GM expressly says, "I will let you take an artifact from the list." That's the only. But time again, that's you- just an item. I would much rather take a plus one on something regularly that happens in most combats than take an artifact. You know what I mean? Yeah, it kind of depends on what the artifact is. You know. Right. Um. But so there so that's. Cool yeah, but even if you look at Warlock, which is kind of like the Dark Arts version of the Technocrat, right? Um, uh, they worship the Dark Arts. All of them belong to a cult of demon worshippers. These characters start with a single point of taint um, and one void gift. <laughs> Fuck you, Ryan. <laughs> I didn't even say anything. Didn't even say anything. Um, <clears throat> these characters start with a single point of taint. <laughs> fucking hell um and one void gift for each number greater than five in lore so you literally get void gifts um for for every lore so if i was going to go warlock i'd throw at least two or three points in there and get three void gifts yeah. you know what i mean to start that's huge compared to the that's technocrat that doesn't get this is, this is exactly how i would play this game is i would play as a warlock but, correctly so. right oh of course i would of course of course i yeah. mean you think you know, i would yeah but what I'm saying is, in that in that in that vein, then technocrat should get like an artifact for each point of lore or something like that. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, except the artifacts are pretty powerful. I just, I just glanced through the list. So. Yeah. Oh, there's even more travelers, beastmaster, professional, fool. Um, beastmaster oh, yeah, is a pet, you know. Yeah, there's a dong on this page, but um, this section here, character advancement, um, comes from developing a rich story arc. It helps build background with allies, enemies, and reputation, improving and gaining new equipment and increasing your stats due to X experience and training. Ask yourself how much and how long it would take to heighten your strength, speed, or wisdom. That is how long it takes for a character to improve an attribute. We suggest game masters allow PCs to increase attributes by one point only after a campaign of six to eight game sessions. Dude, Players should be encouraged to... Exp- yeah. Players should be encouraged to explain why they have improved in that particular attribute. To me, that's that's um, what's the word I'm looking for? That's a barrier to me. That's that yeah. makes me. It's grueling, you know. It's like fuck, man. Okay, six to eight sessions. I level up. It's like yeah, you get a plus one. Well, and here's <laughs> the thing. I like I like grueling. I like when shit's hard and stuff like that, right? Yes. But but. A lot of times things like this sound cooler than to actually play it because this isn't fun. You know what I mean? Like Merkborg is grueling, but fun. You know what I mean? You can die. Absolutely. And even when you advance, you can get worse in some things, right? I think I lost a point last time I did. I I got better (laughs) or worse. Um, But it's pretty much like on a regular interval, like at most maybe every arc. And an arc is like three sessions. Yeah. Right. And it's more than just one attribute point. You can literally roll for all four of your scores. So you could get slightly better or slightly worse in all of your scores every time you level up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, yeah. Mechanically, I'm just not into this. Yeah. So this is, again, this is one of the things that sounds really cool. Like this is grueling and this is hard. Um, but in practice, it does not feel good to me. Yeah. It doesn't feel good to me. I would definitely reduce this like by half at least. By half, yes. I would reduce it by half. Yeah. Um, getting into equipment, um, there's weight categories. Light, medium, heavy, very heavy. Lighter daggers, mediums or swords. Heavier two-handed swords. Um, and mauls are very heavy. 
Um, and then there's it was cool. They had like for light though. It's also like potions, like how a lightweight item yeah. actually have weight to them. Right, 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 right. Um, and then it gives a whole breakdown of weapons. There's like I don't know, like twenty different weapons here. It gives you the features, which is basically like um the pluses, which I assume is the damage. Um, so it's plus two bashing two handed. So it takes two handed, and I assume when you roll to hit, you get a plus two to bash with it. So if I roll, if my might is eight and I roll a four and a two and I get a six, um, I get to do four plus my two bashing with the club and I do six damage. Right, 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 right. Um, and then there's armor, which I, I like armor in my world. There's armor that's similar to this. To this. Light armor is a, a one damage reduction. Medium is a two. Heavy is a three. Um, cat bone or leather composite is a one, but it only goes to your head. Um, metal helmet is a two on your head. And a war and a metal war mask is a three on your head with a minus one to perception tests. Um, what's cool. a perception test? I think it's a lore roll. I think it's a boo boo in the PDF. Um, is it lore or is it is it wits? Let me look on the actual. Out. Let me look on the page and see if it actually got fixed from. And maybe there's an updated PDF or something. Oh, but it's um, wits. Wits. It covers perception and risk assessment of situation. It is it's the only. It's only in the book twice under wits and right here where we see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, wits, it says it, it's perception, but it's not a capital P perception, is it? It's more just like, oh, it's when you perceive things, right? I gotta go back now. Yeah. This feels like just a typo. Like, it should it have been a wits test. It is definitely not a capital P perception. Yeah. So, so this should have said wits test. Regardless, we know what it's talking about. Um, yeah. Uh, and then there's usage dice, which is interesting. When you use an expendable item like rations, arrows, crystal heads, blah, blah, blah. Um, you roll the usage dice once. Items at their full capacity use a D8. Items at half their capacity use a D6. Items that are almost empty use a D4. Whenever you roll a 1 or a 2, you must downgrade the usage dice of that item. This is a simple and effective way of keeping track of all the consumable goods. So basically, you don't track the exact number of arrows you have. Right. You just have a set number. Um, and every time you roll a 1 or a 2, you reduce the dice you roll so it's closer to running out. I don't mind it. I don't I like mind that. it. I also, I also don't think it's hard to track twenty arrows. I mean, the thing is that people don't do that, right? And for the most part, I don't care. When I run five e games, I'll tell you right now: within your first three sessions, you're gonna find a bag of holding because yeah. I don't want to fuck with encumbrance or any of that other bullshit, you know. And a bag of holding is not infinite; it's still a set amount of space. So at some point, you can be like, eh, 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 "How much is in there? Eight square feet yeah. of stuff? I think so." When you looted that entire dress shop, fill the bag. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a, a, a lot, again, there's a lot of information, a lot of tables, a lot of stuff. There's an entire page of the prices of general goods, food, clothing. Honestly, I think, I feel like they spent way more time on the lore and all these rule, lore, um, tables than they did on the mechanics because the on mechanics the mecha are yeah. They're, I don't I don't even know what the word I want to use is. I don't think Black it's clumsy. Luster. I don't think... I think they're overly complicated, almost convoluted. Yeah. They almost feel a little contrived. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Like they almost feel like this is an interesting, different way. Yeah. But it's not. You know what I mean? We reinvented the wheel. We made it a square now. (laughs) Yeah. That's exactly. You couldn't literally could not have said it better. Like, I feel like they are overcomplicated and contrived is how I would I would do them. I feel like they tried to get cute with them. Yes. Um, yeah, and I but don't like so it. There's so much other good stuff in here. It's, it really is a shame. Oh, my I, God. I'm not very incentivized to play this game for the rule set, but I am for, like, almost everything else in here is great. Oh, my God. So, I mean, could you imagine, like, like running my game, the one that I'm working on, with this lore, though? Oh, yeah, that'd be, it'd be perfect. It would be really, really It'd be good. so great. It'd be yeah. so great. Um, so, yeah, it would work really, again, really well. Right. Yeah. And even even the monsters in this port pretty, pretty easily. Yeah. Um, so looting, looting commoners and wealthy people list. I mean, there's so much. There's no way we can go over it all on stream. I mean, it's already almost 1030. Um, yeah. We're going to hit the highlights on some of the some of the big lore and some of the big people. But like psychoactives is in here. It's cool. Basically, I thought it was um, pretty cool. Some yeah, of them give you, you some bonuses. Some of them don't. Yeah, use yeah, yeah. yeah. Bonuses, like y'all, yeah. no white white worm is basically acid. Um, purple yes. snort is basically cocaine. Um, oddities tables, some beautiful art. This is one of my favorite pieces of art in the entire book. I love this. It is it's um really cool. If, if you Google Warpland, there will be a page where there's like a canyon with a sword coming down into like a skull. That's what this page is. It's like a pile of like weapons and skulls and helmets and shields and stuff like that. Just Google it. And of the two images you usually find in Google images, it's the cover of the book and it's this piece of art. Um, it's and it's a, a really beautiful piece of, piece of art. art. Yeah. So we, we've gone past how the rules work in Genesis. We're in the realm. So basically there's a map here um, and we can talk about these places a little bit as we go through. So yeah. um, there is, is very Markboard, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's basically three three sections of of uh four, I guess. Um, there's um Arcanar to the west, which also has Abraxas in it. Um, there's Suno to the south, to like a middle south, um, which has Citadel in it. There's the Worm Spine, which is to the center north, which has the Uncanny Uncanny Valley and Slaughter in it, and there's Obsidia to the east. Which has Zur and Nock in it. Um, Nock, I really wanted Nock to be my favorite, and I was really let down when I read the parts on Nock. So we, in an earlier part, we we read that when when they added tenant number five to to um the one about like no dark arts or witchcraft, yeah. no a bunch of warlocks, yeah, a bunch <laughs> of warlocks and wizards left and went to Nock. But when you go to the Nock section, they don't they don't talk about warlocks and wizards that yeah. much. There's no organization of warlocks and wizards or anything like that. Or if there is, it's like kind of like secret or whatever. Um, I also feel like the cities are all kind of samey. Like they have a ton of tables and we'll go through those in a second. Of yes. Like minor events, major events. But if you look at Citadel and you look at Nock, it's basically like those in power are beaten up peasants. And that's the city. So yeah. it, it does get to be a little samey. Um, yeah. And that's my knock on the lore. A lot of the lore is fantastic, um, but I, like I said, I, I do feel like parts of it are a little samey and a little tropey. Um, more great art in here, though. So Arcanar is used to be... So the West is basically where Eloy used to be, um, the Eloy peoples. So Arcanar is where um, is, a, is a wasteland where the Eloy civilization used to right. be. 
I also believe that's where you find a lot of the technocrats. Um, another beautiful piece of art. I mean, I can't even I can't even describe some of this stuff. This uh, one the, literally that, looks like like Conan and hardcore. So cool. Yeah, and then that one's oh that yeah. one's actually um, very very much like heavy metal, like the scene from heavy metal. No, it's a it's a really cool because it's like a black and white ink image of this like kind of tribal person but then the person the sky behind them is lit up because it's the yeah. void this is what the void looks like um and then the person facing him is is fully rendered in the color and shading and everything like that it's just a very weird um but very cool kind of like juxtaposition which i really enjoy um and that was on page 34 um so what you get in almost all of these places are minor events and major events. So right. we'll go over a little bit. Let's go over the Arcanine ones. Basically, a minor event is like a swarm of lizards dribble, dribble, yeah, dribble around your feet. What's up? Can I dissect you on the roll for this? Oh, uh, I can. Um, roll a dice. Let's just do one d one d six. Uh, five. So I got a mogul with a dead man still riding, and a mogul is a type of of uh, mount we didn't talk about. Um, the beast looks scared and injured. Um, and what did you roll on d12? I rolled. I rolled a seven. Um, a deep cave entrance. This is a. This is the lair of an ancient worm, which would best be left undisturbed. Yeah. So you see the difference between minor and major events. Minor yeah. event is is yeah wind blows the howling of a mechanical beast major event is like shit's hitting the fan um another yeah. one in here is um uh a mysterious eloy hit temple hidden in the hills where doomsday cult of 3d6 mutants live and worship an ego maniacal artificial intelligence big difference between the two um and then yeah. there's also a section of uh travel that things you could find sulfurous vapors quicksand tar pits those kind of things and that's so um, great. Like, this is such a good part, you know? Oh, great. I completely <laughs> agree with you. The lore, like I said, some of it feels a little samey. But for the most part, I think um, they do a really good job. And the adventure seeds are massive. That's one of my favorite things about Cobalt Press's world book and a lot of the things that they put out. When they give you a new region or something like that, at the end of each chapter, there's always adventure seeds in it. Um, so to have this many adventures, that's 18 adventure seeds right there. Basically, like minor and major adventure seeds yeah. for just a region. And you're going to get that for every city. And they even, not only do they have that, they have um, a um, a town and city building section where you can roll up different towns and stuff. So um, there's a place called Abraxas, which is basically like an oasis. Um, to me, it sounds like just like one bar in the middle of... of um, in the middle of uh what's the place called again arcana arcana right um Ar where Ar people stop by there's no mayor there's no nothing but everyone respects the bartender and you get d6 encounters in abraxas have um, you uh, watched avatar the last airbender oh uh, a little bit i know that flame boy becomes a good guy right <clears throat> that's such a vast understatement i'm not even gonna dignify it with a response um some guy drinks tea a lot uh no, that is actually accurate. there's a, there's just like an, an oasis in one of the parts of the middle desert i was like, gotcha. kind of idea of that it is just like a bar essentially you know um more art with cool quote on it um suno is a region it's a rich fertile land crowned by crowned by relentless turmoil of the citadel 
Um, basically, yeah, it's rich, fer fer fertile. There's olives, yerba mate, um, all that stuff. Um, really amazing picture here. Um, I think this is page... Um, 39? Or are you on 49? 39, yeah. yeah. That really, really, really gives you an awesome picture of the void. It's kind so of almost... cool. It's kind of almost abstracty, but right in the middle, you do see these people. And behind this like little stone wall on this hill, you see some people doing stuff. And in the sky, it's just, just like psychedelic acid trip of what the void is supposed to be. One of my favorite pages or two-page sections is where they actually give you breakdowns of like how the void sky looks like today and how it affects your adventure. <laughs> I really like that. Did you see that part? I have. I, I went through. The void part's actually the one I went through the most because I, I was just interested in it. Sure. So... Uh, um yeah minor ma minor and major events um in suno woman cursing her drunk husband um is a minor event a major event is a public execution of a witch she's in fact a talented herbalist healer and is begging for mercy so i really like that i like i like the i like the minor events as like something to toss in while players are already doing something and yeah. their major events as something to trigger them to do something. Right. Yeah. Um, so those are interesting. And then Citadel is basically, it's a first and proudest of cities, a place thriving with opportunities. Um, it's basically this massive like city of Byzantine architecture. Um, and it is, it is the home of uh, the tenant. Um, it is the 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 anti-science capital of the world um, where lictors control all um, and uh, lictors assess the mental faculties of all mutants within the Suno territory and interrogate those suspected of the heresies of technocracy or witchcraft. Um, they found those found unfit to hold the tenant and the liabilities um, of freedom are either summarily executed or condemned to slavery. So just like you would if you were the big ass religious leaders, you are going to persecute um, anyone that looks different than you to maintain your rule and prove that your way is right. Classic. I mean, that's what I would do. Um, D12 encounters in Citadel, a cool picture of Citadel. The picture um, of Citadel is really cool. I do really like it. Gives you a really good feel for like, oh, like it's like a gigantic, yeah, yeah, Byzantine yeah, stacked. Um, there's actually 1D12 shopkeepers in Citadel, which is cool. Great yeah. piece of colored art. Um, the Uncanny Valley is right to the west of the Wormspire. Um, uh, it's got strange, exuberant wildlife located between the murky waters of the, of the Brown and the magnificent heights of the Wormspire. Yeah. Um, there's encounters in here. Um, there's the City of Slaughter, which is where they do most of their like meat harvesting um barbarian tribes um uh, it's a place of gathering commercial exchange for all the barbarian tribes um and yeah and then and meat that's why it's called slaughter they literally that's where they kill all the right. animals um slaughter. there's a bog land called the grunge and the coolest part of this is the iron lords um so uh if a man were able to traverse this treacherous land the the grunge and avoid drowning in its murky waters without getting eaten by vermin or giant salamanders, the iron collar forged to withstand the test of the most skilled locksmiths would mark him as property of the most feared order in the land of the, of the warp, the Iron Lords. So there's a really cool picture of the Iron Lords, and I do like how they do this little breakdown of the kind of like bestiary style thing, 
Um, yeah. So this is an image of an Iron Lord on um, some type of mount. Um, and it says Iron Lord, level 2, armor 3, HP 9, sword and shield. Super simple breakdown of, of, yeah. a, of a mechanic. Because you can look up sword and shield and see how those mechanics work. I would prefer if they put the mechanics in little stat blocks like that. But I can see how it's clean. Yeah, um, it, it is really cool. I, I think they could pretty easily put the sword and shield mechanics. Yeah. A smaller text right there. I think, like, well, there's a bestiary board. section too. There is a bestiary yeah. section too, and I think it repeats it. Um, yeah. The Iron Lords are a small military organization that controls... That has control the iron peat bogs known as a grunge to the northwest limits of Suno. They are feared for their brutality and fighting skills. Um, they divide their territory in garrisons, um, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah. The order relies on slaves supplied by citadels, overpopulated dungeons, and on voluntary recruitment of young aspirants. Um, Obsidia is really cool. I really like Obsidia. It's a grim landscape cornered between Sulphurus and the Wormspire. Its name derives from the volcanic stone endemic to the region. On its southern limit lies Zur, and in the north lies Nock. What's interesting, Jade is one of the most important parts of this world, like after yeah. gold. And when lightning strikes the obsidian of Obsidia, it turns to Jade. Interesting. Very cool lore. And then we have this fantastic image right after this. Yeah, which like. has got the purple purple <clears throat> void sky with this super kind of in... in like zoomed in um, obsidian ground in the front, which is yeah. really, really cool. It's very cool. Yeah. Minor events, major events. Um, then there's a, a, a region called the rot um, marauding communities of the, of the diseased walking in the wilderness, scorned by all aided by none, but one's a common sight. Now the plague is kept at bay through military force. Basically they starve the place out and then burn it to the ground to make sure the plague doesn't spread. If only, right? Um, <laughs> oh God! Knock, knock was. I really wanted knock to be my favorite, and I was so disappointed. There's a yeah. whole section that talks about like the tenant five, like all the rest of them. I'm fine with all the rest of them. I'm totally fine with knock. I was disappointed totally. with um, tenant five. It literally says they drove wizards and witchcrafts to knock, but they yeah. really don't talk about wizards and witchcraft much in this section. I expected there to be some type of like organization or some type of something, but it's not really. They talk about this axe guy more. Nock is a relatively young city that has relied on a city supply of slaves. Um, the city prides itself on its craftsmanship of its obsidian and jade. Um, blah, 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 blah. Travelers come here seeking um, um, uh, cures to their afflictions from witches. Yeah. I did cool like art. the... Uh... I did like the the watchers, the royal guard. They're like kind of these winged royal guard. They're like almost like the uh, dark riders from <laughs> Lord of yeah, the Rings. Yeah, I like that. But like encounters and knock, um, they talk about this guy a bunch. Varys yeah. the Axe, a warlord who single handedly pacified Obsidia half a century ago, but is now the puppet of a witch Mira. But if you if you read the encounters and knock. I don't think there's any one of them that talks about a Wait, are there witch. No, is it not a minor and major encounter for not? I guess not. It's just as encounters and not. Yeah, it's just, yeah. well, yeah. This, I would have, I would have put a I, minor, like, all of those are minor encounters, and I would put major encounters, like, yeah. I mean, there's, there's fucking warlocks and dark magic and shit. Like, I'm a, that's what I'm saying. Going on. Yeah. I thought Nock would be one of the most fleshed out areas, but it's just not. Yeah. Um, the Watchers are Nox Royal Guards mounted on their legendary Thunderbirds. They keep vigilance over a large area. Um, 
The Flying Guardians are highly trained and dreaded. The art on this page is really, really cool. It's on page 59. Um, it's just a, a, a color image of a, of a, a armored, badass-looking guy on basically a fucking pterodactyl. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. Yeah. It is very cool. So, um, we, there's just a lot more world stuff here. Yes, and it's cool. Um, the art's really good. It's, yeah. it's it yeah. conveys a lot of points to it. But yeah, right. that's the skull. The skull riders are cool. The headhunters, the bonars, the witchbanes, the yeah. bent arrows. There are many different um, marauding tribes in the Wormspire, generally referred to as skull riders. They're expert hunters and trackers. They love body art, um, and they dominate Obsidia. Um, they were pushed up into the mountains though by Verisiax, you know, half a century ago. Um, so the, they're really cool. And the picture, the art on here on page 64 is gorgeous. Um, 65 is another image. Um, uh, lots of cool, again, um, art pieces. Um, oh, the Doom Gape is cool. Doom it's Gabe literally where... Cool. Yeah, it's literally where the whatever the device is. Again, I'm I'm in my brain envisioning a, a a massive nuclear bomb that opened a hole in reality and let the dark abyss in. Um, it's a cold forsaken place where the fabric of reality has been torn by the void. It is ridden with beings that seem conceived in nightmares and dark visions. Um, and basically, uh, if you get too close, you become infected by either the taint or mutations. Um, and um, you can also hear the the voices of demons calling you to make deals with them. And the art page on page 71 is really, really cool. It's basically this giant, like, skull cavern thing. Really, really neat. It's so um, cool. Yeah. That, and then his minor and major events. Again, Knock, I, I was like, as soon as I got to the part that was like, oh, the warlocks mm. all went to Knock. Mm, gotta read Knock. And then I got there, yeah. and I'm like, no major events? No discussion of warlocks? No nothing? Come on. Um... What else we got going on here? Uh, we'll we'll move through the realm part. Oh, there's a town generator, which is neat. Again, yeah. the best part of this book is all of these roll tables and the lore and stuff like that. Yeah. The adventure seeds, all of that. They're great. Um, notable NPCs is cool. Definitely check that part out. There's a there's a stack of them. Um, world events is really neat. There's literally D20 world events. Like um, the abyss in Doomgate is growing steadily each day, and an immense black mass is roaming on the edges of its darkness. Like it's really neat. They the number of adventure seeds in here is insane. Yes, there's so much to do. It's almost like yeah. it would take me several times of reading this all the way through to get like a good enough handle to like you could roll a sandboxy game in this, but I would have to read it a yeah. few times to really yeah. get it down. Uh, a rumor table, which is cool. Metal stone and beliefs. So this is where it talks about like the different kind of um so coinage we talked about um it's all copper standard clothing we talked about apparently most people go naked um or very lightly clothed because one showing off your powerful body um is is a good thing yeah um and not only that showing off a healthy body because there's so much disease and mutation if you have a strong Emily walked in, right? I was like, yeah, showing off her powerful body. You know, she's like, nice. <laughs> as she leaves, yeah, uh, my girlfriend. But yeah, so um, yeah, showing off a healthy body is supposed to be good because again, this whole this whole world is based on power and all that kind of stuff. Right. So if you can show that you're powerful and healthy and stuff like that, um, you 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 um, very people respect the barbarian it. in a lot of ways. Yes, like, yes. Like, 
Yeah. Well, they they have a whole section in the in the back. Um, it's kind of like an appendix in of like movies to check out, like Heavy Metal, Red Sonia, Conan, all that kind of stuff. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. But it reminds me hardcore of Conan. Um, it talks about religion a little bit, and one of the things that really digs into is nihilism. Basically, a lot of people are in like doomsday cults or nothing because they're like we've worshipped cults for a long fucking time now, and nothing's happened, so the world sucks and everything sucks. And I'm like, yeah, I'm yeah. That's exactly what it would be. Nihilism has spread like wildfire. Yeah. There are no invisible gods. There is only man in dialogue with the unchained forces of chaos. I love that line. <laughs> um, the tenant. We talked about the tenant already. Temples of the true light, which is basically the people that, that. This is where the tenant is, though, because it needs to be way earlier. It's very different. Way earlier. A lot of what we read. You know? The scourges are neat. Um, basically, they're people that believe in the tenant so much that they burn um, and purify things that they don't think follow the yep. tenant with fire, which because right. of course they would. Um, Brotherhood of the Whispers is like a little spy organization. The Legion is cool. It's literally a group of able-bodied men and women and fl- afflicted by the rot. Basically, when you get this disease that will soon kill you, you can join the Legion as mercenaries and basically get paid so you die. Um, and people don't want to fight literally an army of diseased, like, plague people. Um, so they, they win all the time. Um, <laughs> society of, yeah. Society of Technocracy is a bunch of technocrats. Um, the Warp in the Void is a section that's really cool. It literally talks about what the warp is. Um, True light has been averted from its essence. It has been filtered and manipulated by ineffable crystal shard technology of the Eloy. This corrupted version of the light is called warp. And it dictates a convoluted growth and rhythm to all things. So that is what the warp is. The warp is basically how Eloy um, technology works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the sky is referred to as the ether. Um, is composed of pure warp energy. So the, the burnt, broken sky is literally... Um, warp energy um, and it all seeps from the void you roll a d12 each condition lasts uh, 1d6 days to determine what the ether is like and you literally just have to look at this this is one of my favorite I said this earlier this is one of my favorite two page spreads in the book it's literally d12 or is it d20 uh, it's d12, d12 things what the sky would look like so each page is split into like literally an image of what the sky looks like yeah, and then what it means cool. yeah lysergic which is I assume like lysergic acid um, with hues of purple and magenta swirling and shifting in the gentle cool wind staring at it might entrance some small creatures a barely perceptible droning chime makes the mind wonder those who stare at the sky and fail a willpower test may be afflicted by hysterical laughter so they're all like this monochrome gray strobic dark blue with vague luminescent golden streaks this is the sky that, that you're <laughs> Yeah, this is the sky so you're mentioning under I love this one. A revolting kaleidoscope of jade, purple, and cyan. Mm. Um, oh, and transient chromatic shifts every 1d6 hours. Furious red skies torn with blue and green lightning. Dark and undefined and jaded skies. Amber skies. Solemn technicolor cyan, which is the closest you're really going to get to what the blue sky used to look like. And then nameless flowing colors ebb away in a mind-bending spiral. 15% chance of a maelstrom every day. Um, and then just more. Talks about rain. Talks about maelstrom. Talks about 
a ton of stuff on mutations we're not really going to dig deep, too deep into right now. Um, you can get big ears, you can become a giant, you can become a, a hermaphrodite, a shapeshifter. Um, and those are partial mutations, or you get a full mutation and become aquatic, avian, bestial, insectoid. And they got all of these, these images on the side look like the bad guys from like old Power Rangers episodes. <laughs> They're literally just people so in, cool. in, like in crazy suits. costumes. Yeah. Um, mutant flaws. Artifacts are cool. It's forbidden Eloy technology. Some of them are really neat. Um, a force field. A bizarre looking belt made of strange metal provides plus two armor when activated. It reminds me a little bit of the... Um, the thing that you, they turn on in Dune? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what that's called. One of the ones that's really neat that's supposed to be like super powerful is a time freezer. This rare wrist device has a spinning dial that slows time for 1d6 rounds, during which the characters will always act first and get a plus one bonus to all physical actions. That's cool. That's really cool. The 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 technology in here, I'm not usually one for, for technology, but dark ancient technology that uses... Ether energy from the void warp sky. I'll take that. Yeah, it works. It it it, it, it hits correctly for the setting. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, crystal shards power Eloy technology, and that's that's where the warp energy is in. Um, they're not hot, but if you hold them, they'll burn you, which is really neat. Um, like there's radiation. complications with artifacts because you have to roll to use these complications, and there's complications on what could happen, like um. A cold electrical crackling and then a loud explosion paints the area. Um, all characters roll might or suffer a mutation. That's cool. Um, rendered useless. Yeah. Oh, it talks about the void. There's a whole section on the void and what's mostly in the void. In a godless world under a sunless sky, men who turn themselves will find only darkness. It talks about demons. Um, a demon is a primordial being of the void and there's like four demons that um, people worship within this setting, even secretly. Um, uh, one, like Zareth the Faceless is a trickster and a seductress that is known to collect the faces of her victims. That one's cool. Um, cool art, the cool bunch of stuff. or whatever they're yeah. called. Yeah. Uh, magic is gifts from the Void. The Dark Arts possess powerful gifts bestowed by the demonic forces of the Void. To make use of them, you must pass a lore test um, and spend one willpower point um there's a bunch hey, of look. spells here we found more willpower is used mason <laughs> yeah there's a bunch of spells here and they're dark confusion darkness speak with dead summon vermin um viscerous here really really cool stuff um taint effects when you get affected by the taint each time you acquire taint <laughs> you roll 1d6 on the table to find out how it affects you um, you could be a sleepwalker. Um, your shadow could be affected. Your shadow acts according to your desires. Um, you could become a lich. Your visage looks disturbing. Um, and your voice uh, breaks. Um, your increased effect is you crave human blood. Um, there's cool demon-bound items. Basically, they are sentient items that um, have a demon in them. And you have to do things in order to keep them happy or they'll literally die. Like blood drinker. Um, I love what what is the line in here? Um, is it blood drinker or is it the torturer? Maybe it's a torturer. Um, the sword? No, it's blood drinker. The sword needs to drain a victim dry at least once a week. Um, oh no, there's another one that literally talks about like it has to do something every now and then. 
Um, I'm looking. Hold on. Keep reading Blood Drinker. I want to hear that. Oh, it's a mesmerizing red sword of fine craftsmanship. It's an insatiable drinker uh, that emits delighted sounds when gorging on the blood of its victims. Um, yeah. So, oh, and I, I like, I think this, the torturer is a helmet, actually. It's an iron helmet of intricate yeah. design. When you look at the art, it's it's hardcore the <laughs> War Duke. Like, yeah. it's definitely War Duke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, talks about Morlocks. Uh, we get into the bestiary, which is cool. Um, a standard uh, bad guy. Let's take a shortish one. Um, a, a Merkor. Those brown frogs with human teeth are the size of a small pig. They're omnivorous pets that cause great havoc on farms and crops. Some towns pay as much as five copper. Level zero HP five, bite plus zero damage. Like that's the whole that's the whole thing. Um, I like it. It's clean. Um, it's cool stuff. Um, more cool amazing stuff. art. Yeah, more amazing art. I think we're gonna get into the GM. It's a GM mastering tips, which I feel is completely unnecessary. They're super generic. Um, Give all your characters on personality quirks. Keep it simple. Be graphic. Make a good story. Oh, here it is. Looking for inspiration? The following are great movies to get a grasp of the setting. Hard to be a god. Beastmaster. Conquest. Krull. I love Krull. I haven't seen Krull. Um, you never seen Krull? Um, mm. Heavy Metal, Fire and Ice, Wizards, and Red Sonja. I mean, that's exactly what it feels like to me. And then, how to tie it into Neuro City, which we're going to talk about some other time. Um... But um, that's basically it. And there's introductory. Oh, I do like there's three introductory adventures in the back. Um, uh, one is called the cult. Most of the party consists of members of, of praisers of Nephiles. The cult settled in a monastery just the day's journey from Nock. Um, or it's Noach. I don't know. The players may interpret warlocks um, blessed with the dark gifts of their demon lord or simple acolytes with their own useful skills. Um, the cult has a few dozen members, but only a handful of dark gifts. Their leader, Goros, is a grim and silent warlock. Um, and then there's a dark, uh, ceremony taking place. Um, so it's a cool introductory adventure. Um, and the art on all these is really, really good. Um, everything about this is fantastic except the mechanics, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then there's an epilogue that literally talks about, um, uh, at the very end, that is why we must be careful. We must be clever, and please remember always to have fun. This is just a game, all of it. Um, so basically, uh, it says like you're holding something precious and precious and forbidden in this world in Warpland. So appreciate the written word, um, and also that violence is is part of the game, but keep it in the game. So <coughs> yeah. So that's Warplane, and then there's there's um, pages and pages of Kickstarter names in the back, which I I do love when people do this. I do yeah. kind of like the um, put your name in the book kind of thing. It, it's cool to see your name in the book. Um, there's a character sheet and a bunch of pre-gen characters, which is nice because you get a sense of how they they work. Um, and that is Warplane. So we're gonna go directly into the review for the game real quick. Um, so, Drum roll. I remembered. What's up? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Keep I remembered to add the logo to the top of it this week. This is Woodland. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, we're talking about scores here. Um, the first score, and we talk about um, we do art and style is one, layout and function is one. Excuse me, rule set and crunch is one, originality is one, and price is one. 
Um, so art and style. Um, what are your thoughts? I mean, it, the art and style is fantastic. It's really good. Yeah. It's very dense. Um, maybe um, not as dense as like some of the stuff, but it's still very, very dense. I would say for me, I'm thinking somewhere in the four range, you know, for art and you style. Think four? You think I, four? I really, really like it. I think it conveys the vibe really well. And I think they yeah. use art a lot. I think Merkborg is like a five, right? Where the art is functional art, even within the rule set. This doesn't have that, but it does fill a lot of space with art. Like that thing we can play about Lancer, all that empty space where you can put more art. They didn't do that in this. They, the empty space had art in it, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, I was almost ready to give this a five. Ooh, were um, you? Because, because of that, like there are pages where it's just art and you get the vibe. There's no empty space in this book. Right. There is There's zero none. empty space in this book. Um, and that's the reason I was considering giving okay. this a, a five. I mean, but, do we think that using art as a functional aspect of the rule set is needed for it to be a five? Or is that just a feature that we like? Um, that's, I mean, that's up to us, I guess. I mean, yeah. I would be comfortable giving this a five. I don't think it's that far off from it, even without me giving it a four. I think that's like a very, the art is really, 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 really good. Um, and it's very co consistent and constant. And especially when you get into the lore and like every page is an art page, you know, like, like you know what these places feel like because they tell you, show you. Yeah, that's, I mean, and that's, that gives me a thought. I can't, so, so like we, we, we this isn't out of a hundred, so we can't give something the highest thing possible. Like, it's just like, I mean, Merkborg might be better than this, but in my opinion, three is average, right? Right. Um, this is well above average. Well above average. To me, yeah. I think even like D&D &D is a four because there's not a single then empty space in that book. Then yeah. This is a five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like three is like good art. Most of the pages have maybe a little something on them. Um, what did we give Lancer? Lancer, we gave a three. Oh, ah, we should have gave it like a two. Maybe. Realistically. I think, really good, three, I think we bumped it to three because the art that was there was, was so good. really fucking good. Yeah. So I, I, I'd I, be cool giving this a five if you want to give five, it a five. Five, let's do it. Throw five up there. Okay. All right. Um, we got to be generous somewhere because it's going to lose we're a lot. We're not, yeah, we're, they're going to lose a lot. Um, layout and function. Um, The book functions, I think the layout is, there's parts where I wish things were in other parts. Same. Um, and as far as function goes, as far as a PDF goes, not a single hyperlink to be seen. Nope. None. I would consider this. I would consider this average, as far as is average starting to touch a little bit below average for me because there's a lot of stuff I would have moved around in this book, like the tenants, man. Like I know that I keep harping on that, but like, yeah, they reference it so much, and then it's on page like one hundred yeah. something. But I, name me, name me two other things you would move. Um, there's that section about NPCs I put in the game master section. Um, yeah, a three. I'm good with three okay. of this one. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was thinking. Um, oh shit, I hit the wrong thing. So this is a five, um, and score two will be a three. All go. right. Okay. Um, rule set and crunch. I just don't like it. I don't either. <laughs> I just don't like it. I just don't like it. Like there's parts I don't hate all of it, and that almost makes it worse. You yeah. Know what I mean, like, yes. If I hated all, it'd be fine. You know. Yeah. 
but there's parts of it I do think are are okay and could have been done. Um, like I don't hate the roll and then the highest dice you rolled is your damage. Yeah. Um, kind of. Kind um, of. I kind of don't. Kind of. But I feel like it rewards players at low levels um, and over-rewards them at high levels. Two. You know what I mean? Two. Yeah. Yeah. But pretty much, what what part did we like? Oh, we like um, we like Wounded. We did like Wounded. I did really yeah. like Wounded. I thought it was really cool. I yeah. um, this, this is scraping the bottom. This is a low two for me, you know? This is a two. This is a two. It's I I just it's so convoluted and I feel like it I feel like I said, I feel like it's contrived. Like it tried to be cute and it's not. It's, it's not. a uggo. It's a uggo. Um originality though. It's I don't know of another tabletop role playing game that is like this game. Yeah. It is really good. It's I mean, I God, I, I, it's, it's a bummer that I don't like the crunch um, because everything else is just so fantastic. It really well, is so good. The thing about it, though, is so much of it doesn't need the rules from this game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, oh, I'm totally ripping this game. Like, and just putting... Yeah. I'm gonna make you it can definitely just... play this setting without this rule set because, yeah. again, considering that the entire rule set is right here and the entire book is right here, you don't need all that. Yeah. Um. Uh, so I, I four to five. What are your thoughts on this? I'm, I'm. It's a low five, high four for me. I'm right in between. So, um, all right, let's go five. I mean, let's I go think, five. Yeah, I do think it's really that's really good. Price. Okay, so the price of this book on Kickstarter was sixty three dollars plus shipping. No, not this book specifically. What I got for sixty three dollars plus shipping was, and we didn't even talk about this in the um. We didn't even talk about this in uh, in this. I got you get Warpland, you get the um, Forbidden Book of Tangible Reality, which is the core rules you need to run the game in one small little book. Okay, um, so this is Tangible Reality. It's it's just the rules. You get this, the not Thanatopsis, which is an adventure. Um, it's a PDF. It's only four pages, but it's a cool little adventure. Um, and it's got a lot. It's got, even in four pages, it's got a bunch of roll tables. It's got some great art. It's got some really cool stuff. Um, you get, in addition to that, I also got for that six to $3, I got NeuroCity, the, right. the book, right? And um, I don't know if you saw this, but Warpland also comes with like an eight track soundtrack with it. Very cool. But that's for the Kickstarter, right? So if I go buy it right now, I have no drive idea through, I do. I have it in front of me. Uh, it's like thirty-seven bucks. Uh, so it's on sale right now. If I want uh -huh. to get so uh, the PDF, which is not hyperlinked at all, um, nope. is eight eight fifty. That's okay. I'm good with that. Yeah, that's, that's, really, that's seven really to ten dollars for a right? PDF. Yeah, especially a hundred fifty-page PDF. Soft cover book. With no PDF whatsoever, it's thirty-five dollars. So there's no PDF attached to it. You just get the book um, for thirty-five dollars. That's still okay, but like, why wouldn't I get the PDF? Um, and then the PDF plus soft cover is forty-three fifty. But right now it's on sale for thirty-five fifty. So you could get it for right now 
for 3550 but it is 4350 for that's, the P. it's a little much right yeah and the pdf and i mean if it was hardcover i would say that's a decent price it's a great um, price for a hardcover book i first of all i don't know why this isn't hardcover i it mean kinda, it's yeah. a Big floppy big, book. Big floppy boy. <laughs> it would be a lot. This is almost like a like a. You could almost throw this on your on your on your coffee table if this was yeah. hardcover. You know what I mean? Um, so the Kickstarter price wasn't bad, but that price is not good. Yeah. Um, I would not buy the book for and PDF for yeah. I mean yeah. I get three is average. Would you consider that average cost? Um. Yeah. Just about. Probably. Well. Okay. It's kind of hard to say because you know what? If we, if I was to go on an exalted funeral right now, and I was to go find pretty much any full tabletop game that it would have the PDF attached, and the highest ever going to be is like fifty bucks, maybe. You know, Ark is like okay. Fifty bucks so right let's now, let's go to exalted funeral and find um a uh let's uh what what's something of a similar size? Um, how about ultraviolet uh, grasslands? Ultraviolet grasslands. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's almost the exact same way same in everywhere it's very very similar yeah. size it's also not a hardcover but it came with the pdf well exalted funeral always comes with the pdf yeah why wouldn't you um ultraviolet grasslands um soft cover plus pdf 30 bucks so it's still less. Yeah. So and this it is, a- and it's 198 pages. It's actually a taller book with 50 more pages for. A, that for book that. has a lot of stuff in it. <laughs> How about, yeah, a lot of stuff. How about um, Disciple of Bone and Shadow? I'm going to do that. Disciple of Bone and Shadow, second printing is $0. Nice, dude, free. Bro, if that's a free PDF, you should snag that. I'm gonna snag it right now. Um, free PDF. Are you on Exalted? What are you on? Yeah. Disciple of Bonus Shadow Conquered Sun Edition um, is a great book. It's 254 pages, soft cover, perfect bound. I have it. It's a solo adventure you can run at with the GM if you want it to. Um, it is 256 pages, and you this comes with the PDF. It's 25 bucks. So two. This is a two for pricing. Two. You know? It's a two. I mean, that's an expensive soft cover, but that's a really expensive soft cover book. Um It's also soft cover. Like give a hardcover option for this. Yeah. Come on. I mean, I it's nice, but you know how much nicer this would look like in hard print without this like a like a matte hardcover? Um Again, I really wanted to love this and I don't. I like yeah. it. And the lore is great, but I don't love it. So the total score is five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, fifteen. It's a seventeen. This got the same score as Lancer. Lancer was good in some ways, and it was not in others. You know. I feel like Lancer was more consistent with their scores. I think it was a lot of like threes and a couple of fours. Yeah. But if you look at the scores on here, it's two fives and two twos. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can't get like so. Basically, what we're saying, if you look at the scores on here is that the art and lore of this is amazing. It bumps it pretty high, you know? Yeah, and everything else is, is average to poor. The layout is average. The rules are poor. 
and the price is poor is what we're saying it we really went in on this one so but i mean it did get two fives you know what i'm saying but is that is that yeah. is my math right five plus five that's yeah so the total score is 17 um yeah. we were fair you know we, we we were fair about it like i, I think, think the so. way we, i think so the way we grab yeah. is honest you know and I think I think what's really interesting is we both had the exact same thought reading this is just like, first of all, it's like, wait, what? Yeah, that's my very first thought was, wait, what? And my second thought was, mm, I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my third thought was, damn, this lore is good. You know, so it's really it's fantastic. It really yeah. is what I like to see and more, you know, yeah. settings yeah, so yeah. interesting, like the roll tables are so useful, except Knox. Sorry, but I don't. Yeah. Why is that the only one that's totally dicked over? And that's it's, like, like it's kind of the one, one that is dicked over. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So that is yeah. that's Warpland. That is Warpland. It's a game I really wanted to love, and I just don't. I like it. The lore is great. Um, the tagline for this episode is a game we wanted yeah. to love. <laughs> yeah. That's a game we wanted to love. Um, and I think we're super fair about it. Um, but here's the thing, too. So obviously, NeuroCity uses the same mechanic. But the lore in this, just as good as the lore in this, it's just a different world. Yeah. It's just a different world. Um, I wish it also came with something like this. But I guess I don't need it because you could literally use this for the NeuroCity one um, with just a couple of different changes. Because like there are like the personality traits and, and stuff like that. But the base mechanic stuff um literally the base dice mechanics and rules take up one two three four five i would say six all the way to character creation before you get into personality flaws and background that i feel like is much more um set in warpland um like six to eight little tiny half pages is the entire rule set so so yeah so that was Warpland, everybody. Um, don't got much else to say. I do think the tagline for this episode, and, and when I eventually get it into podcast form, will be the game <laughs> we wanted to love. Um, yeah. Again, I just think it's really interesting that this has the same total score as Lancer. And if you just looked at total score, um, it would tell a very different story of our opinions of Lancer and Warpland. Because I feel like it's almost the exact opposite. I feel like when we talk about art and style in Lancer, it's not enough art. No, it's, it's not. not enough. Yeah. Um, when we talk about rule set and crunch, it was much better. It was really, really yeah. well done. Yeah. Um, and price wise, it was better too. I feel like it's if we brought up if we brought up Lancer's scores right now compared to this, what Dude, are we going to fuck it up? I'm I'm fucking it up. Fuck it up. I'm fucking it up. Um, so Lancer, I have it right here. Um, art and style was a three. Layout and function was a three. Rule set and crunch was a four. Originality was a three, and price was a four. It was just more consistently. It was a good average game across yeah. the board. It was a very yeah, yeah. good it was average. average. Game. Threes and fours, but what's interesting is rule set and crunch was a four, and price was a four. Two highest scores. In this game, rule set and crunch and price were twos, the lowest. Lowest. But the art and the originality, like, there is something to be said. I do believe, like, if someone asked me 
like I don't want to talk games and I'm looking for a book to pick up and I want something interesting more, I would tell them you should get more plan. Like you should hack the rule set or use a different rule set, but the lore and the role tables are like very valuable to get. I, I would, I would still buy this maybe. I wouldn't buy it because I have it on PDF, but you know what I mean? Yeah, totally understand. I bought it. Um, and I, I think it's worth it again for 63 bucks, even just the amount of lore um, I, and the soundtrack, the little eight track soundtrack that comes with it. You should listen to it. It's it's like a it's like a weird primeval dungeon synth. Um, so it's kind of like synthy, but then there's war drums in it. Oh, like it's pretty cool. It's pretty That's good. It's pretty very good. Uh, appropriate for the setting. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So everyone, that was Warpland. Um, what are we doing next week? Um, we kind of both picked Warpland. I kind of picked it. What do you want to do? Oh. What do I want to do? Um, do you want to do a bigger game? Do you want to do a, a smaller I do, game? I do not want to do a bigger game. Um, do you, is Into the Odd small enough to get through? In, yes, in definitely. Oh, it's way smaller than we just went. So we can go through Into the Odd. Do you want to do Into the Odd? Is that what you want no, to do? No, let's do Into the Odd. Yeah. Yes, because the All books right. haven't been shipped yet. So we're going to talk about it before most people have gotten a chance to look at it. So There you go. Um so then and then we'll we'll just look at how the book looks when it comes in on the uh Kickstarter the podcast when you get yeah. to see um physical rewards. Cool. All right. Well, thank you everyone for being here. Thank you so much for everything. Thanks coming y'all. Um, yeah, and thank you out there in podcast world for listening. Um eventually my goal tonight is to get some sleep right now. And then my goal tonight is to uh actually get these up and then actually have a decent enough logo to put out there and not feel embarrassed by it until we find something better. Um, we're getting there. I'm we are, it's a four A. Listen, just a four, baby steps forward. You know. I like the one that I made. I just wish I could yeah. make it better. But you'll see it on our Instagram. Um, for those listening in podcast world, um, we are the Adventure Archive. You can check us out on Twitch at the Adventure Archive. You can look at our Instagram at the Adventure um we got a twitter we got all the stuff you can find the links in our link tree it's link tree slash the adventure archive you can check out our website theadventurearchive.net um and then we on this podcast will have our own instagram soon where we will post all of our reviews we will post um the kickstarters that we go over each week um and we will post like upcoming get information about the upcoming games and things like that um it is the dot weekly dot scroll on instagram hopefully that'll be up by next episode um hunter thank you so much i appreciate it i want you to have a good day i hope you have a great sleep ryan good night dream of dreams you know i will dream of dreams while dreaming of dreams yeah all right All right. See you later. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Bye. Bye.